What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amatech TIA's podcast here on this Tuesday, April the 26th, the year 2022. Yes, I am back. Sincere apologies for no show last week. You were truly, evidently, uh, believe it or not, had a, was suffered through a, a, about a, a three, a two and a half, three day cold throughout the middle of the week last week at 103 degree fever was in no shape, no uh, condition to do a show whatsoever. And there were plenty of opportunities for me to come on here and scream and yell and give my two cents. Uh, but, uh, you know, we are back here on this Tuesday. Of course, the NBA playoffs are a primary element of conversation. I will rip into Ben Simmons and the complete disgrace he is coming up later in the show. You don't want to miss that. And, of course, you got the NBA playoffs with the Western and Eastern uh, Conference with the first round. I get into the Celtics sweeping, uh, sweeping the Nets. I get into the absolute beatdown that took down that took place in Dallas of the D- Dallas Mavericks and Luka in his first home game back, uh, taking care of business and just destroying and embarrassing the Utah Jazz. We'll get into that along with some other NBA uh, playoff uh, games on the board as well. We have the one and only the great YouTuber extraordinaire covers the NFL. NHL hockey primarily, no, excuse me, the NFL, NHL hockey, and Major League Baseball, YouTuber extraordinaire and the great uh, urinating tree. He will join us a little bit later on in the program to help us uh, preview the draft, recap a a couple of major items that took place over the last few months as far as NFL free agency, Uh, and we'll get into uh, Baker Mayfield, Uh, we'll get into Baker Mayfield uh, as well coming up a little bit later on in the program. And uh, it'll be nice to have him on So as we have a nice conversation, friend of the program, a little bit later on. Uh, I have not. I uh, There's also stuff that I will get into later in the week that will not have time to address this week. I want to address Clayton Kershaw and the fact that, and the controversy of him not uh, attempting to, to go into the to go into the eighth and ninth inning as for to pitch a perfect game uh, when the Dodgers were in uh, were in Minnesota. I'll touch in. I'll uh, touch into that uh, later on in the week, and I'll also touch on the the unruly, uh, crazy, crazy ass Yankee fans that were showing their ass and acting a fool up at the Bronx on Saturday afternoon, throwing crap at the players of the Cleveland Guardians. I'll address that uh, in an episode, uh, an episode coming up later on down the week towards the weekend. But where we will begin, of course, with the NBA playoffs. And uh, we'll do the Western Conference with the playoffs first, then take a break, then get to the East, and then let the program uh, move along from there. Uh, but we get, we stay with the, we begin with the Western Conference NBA playoffs, and we will begin. We'll go top to bottom here with the West. Uh, I'll do the Phoenix Suns series first, and then end with Memphis and uh, Memphis and Minnesota. But f- for the Phoenix and the uh, New Orleans Pelicans, listen, you got no uh, no Devin Booker uh, for their game for their game five coming up uh, coming up tomorrow. 
tomorrow is it tonight? I believe it. No, it's tonight. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, coming up here tonight at Game 5, that game's in Phoenix side at two games apiece. And let me tell you something right now, folks. The Phoenix Suns, I I picked them to go I picked them to go back to the conference finals. I I picked them to win the NBA final uh, to to win the conference to win the Western Conference and to make the NBA finals and to win the NBA finals. And my pick looks like it is uh, it is uh it is in sincere and rabid jeopardy right now uh, because of the fact that they for, they will have no uh, Devin Booker who hurt his hamstring uh, last week sh- it said uh, two to three weeks uh, at minimum is the time period that he'll be out and the Phoenix Suns are going to have to win this series uh, without their best player and the great dynamic Devin Booker. Uh, you take a you go you take a look at what. Uh, Chris Paul did fast as we look back and recap uh, game four with New Orleans winning 118-103. You know, Chris Paul and you hear and you hear a lot of talk, you know, Chris Paul, you the 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 the, uh, the nickname point go, the point guy is thrown out a lot all the time and and a lot of people uh, within the NBA circle, regardless if it's people on social media or the people that are in the media on television, radio, that write whatever. Uh, you know they say all the time that uh, that Chris Paul is one of the uh, not everybody, but you hear this talk a lot that Chris Paul is one of the game's all-time greatest point guards. I typically, you know, I, I I don't look at that. I don't look at him in that aspect. He was not great when the when the sink went when the ship was sinking when Phoenix had a two zero series lead against Milwaukee uh, last July and how he performed against uh, how he p- performed against New Orleans on Sunday on Sunday night was a lot left to be desired. I mean, the man took uh, attempted eight jump shots and only scored four points. I mean, all-time great point guard when you're talking about Steph Curry, uh, Steph Curry, Jerry West, uh, Magic Johnson, uh, Wilt, um, and uh, Bob Cousy, uh, and Isaiah Thomas. You know, great players. You know, when 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 they're when they're partner in crime, I'll, when their partner in crime and or their best player on the team goes down with an injury and is essentially shut down for the rest of the playoff series, and you're a point guard and by the name of Chris Paul. You know, all-time great point guards, all-time great players don't go out there on a road game up 2-1 against a team that finished 10 games below 500 in a regular season and scored four points, only attempting eight shots when they weren't hurt. And and not finding a way and not finding a way to get to the free throw line. I could care less about his eleven assists. I'm not interested. You're all that's talk about Chris Paul this, Chris Paul that. Two of eight from the two of eight from the field, not a, not not getting a a single lousy free throw attempt, and finishing with four points. I mean that's that's four more points than I had for for crying out loud. He made two more shots than I did sitting on my caucus all the way up here in Baltimore, Maryland. I mean that that's not championship level point guard play from a guy that's uh, that's revered by some, if not most, as one of the game's all time greatest 
point guards the best in the history in a seventy-five year history uh, of the seventy-five uh, year history of the NBA. They as a team, you know, shot shot twenty-five percent from shot twenty-five percent from three. Only got to the free throw line as a team a whole fifteen times and shot six percent from the free throw line compared to New Orleans Pelicans who found a, who found a way combined as a team to get to the free throw line forty-two times. Shot seventy-six percent from the free throw line uh, as a team, and how about Brandon Ingram? A sensational job he had, scoring thirty, po- scoring thirty points, uh, scoring thirty points, making seventy uh, percent of his free throws, uh, collecting uh, five five assists, five assists, and had a plus minus of plus eighteen on, on the night. And how about Valen Shunis, their center, who did an absolutely sensational job, scoring twenty six points, uh, was nine of fifteen from the field, collecting uh, fifteen boards, ten of them on the defensive side, and four assists, and had a plus minus of plus uh, nineteen, a sensational job uh, from New Orleans. You know, the, and this, and if you if you're the uh, Suns heading into tonight's game, it, it is imperative imperative. That you win, if if you allow the Phoenix Suns to walk into their building, Chris Paul, and uh, and, and go back home for a game six in their building, uh, up three two, when having a chance to win a playoff series and have the and have the series closing game in their building, I'm not too confident that Phoenix is going to be able to go into uh, the Smoothie King Center and down in New Orleans, uh, in in a couple of nights. And 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 for and force the game seven back in their building. If you're Phoenix, you got you have to win this game. You have to. 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 I still think Phoenix is gonna. I think Phoenix is gonna win. It wouldn't shock me if this. You know, and I and I predicted Phoenix Suns to sweep the to sweep New Orleans out in, in a clean sweep in four games. Wouldn't shock me if uh, if if Phoenix ends up winning this series uh, in a seventh game. Uh, that would be played on Thursday. Excuse me. Uh, hold on. Game five is tonight. Game six would be Thursday, and game seven would be on would be on a game would be on Saturday on April the thirtieth. But if you're the, if you're Chris Paul, you got to show up. I understand to facilitate peace and get Jay Crowder involved and and DeAndre Ayton and 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 Cam Johnson. Everybody. Bottom line is Chris. You are arguably the second best player on the team. You know, it's Devin Booker and then it's you. You pick up the slack and you play well off of Devin Booker. Devin Booker's out. You're a veteran, been around been in the league a long time. All stars galore, the quote unquote point guard. Everybody makes you out to be, you know, everybody makes you out to be one of the greatest point guards in the history of the NBA. Here's here's the time where you prove that and you show that by going out there and dropping 25, 30 something points tonight against the Pelicans and, win, and winning this game five in your building. It's just it's just all it's all there is to it. You want to prove to the prove to the uh, prove to the masses that you're an all time great player and all. All-time great point guard, all-time great, an immortal, an immortal. You want to prove to America that you're an immortal point guard at, and you're an immortal player at the position. You go out there and you and you, and you drop 25, 25 to thirty points tonight in a victory. Play solid, play solid defense. Uh, you know, stop violent shooters within the paint, and and don't and not allow a Brandon Ingram to get hot and win this game. Because if you don't. Uh, I, th- I th- it could it could be good night Phoenix in in six in six games.
on thir in, on Thursday night at the Smoothie King Center. If you don't, it's, imp it's imperative, imperative that Phoenix wins tonight. Imperative. But yeah, that Devin that losing Devin Booker the, the, is a is a huge, 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 huge blow with the hamstring. Hopefully, they're able to manage. They, you know, they they fight back in the face of adversity and they advance on to the second round of the NBA Western Conference playoffs. Matchup number two between the Dallas uh, the Dallas Mavericks and the Utah Jazz. That game last night was just an absolute embarrassing, embarrassing, embarrassing beatdown. Uh, with the Dallas Mavericks beating the Utah Jazz 102 to 77, Luka Doncic's first uh, home play, his first home playoff game, uh, his first home playoff game back. Dallas Mavericks trying to win their trying to win their first playoff series since they won the NBA Finals going on 11 years ago. Luka's back uh, 11 to 22, uh, 11 to 22, 33 points. 13 rebounds, 5 assists, a sensational night, and a block from Luka Doncic. What a sensational job he had. And, and Brunson, who did, an excellent, who did an excellent job picking up the slack, not just, not just in the game on Monday night, but in this series. You go back and look at his, uh, you go back and look at his game one performance, or excuse me, his game two, his game three performance, where he dropped 41 points in there, 110-104 victory against Utah last Monday on April the 18th. He's done an excellent job picking up the slack, dropped 31 in their game four victory against Utah the following the following game last Thursday. He's done an excellent job picking up the slack, shot 45 percent from the field five rebounds four assists a steal scored 24 points an excellent job uh with as he and luca being the one-two punch uh with dallas and from a utah jazz perspective you know they they got to play better in the third quarter the jazz as a team as a team scored 19 points and luca Doncic by himself scored 19 points you know that's that's not good enough. You know, and you saw Donovan Mitchell come out of the game uh, towards the towards the latter end of the uh, of the fourth quarter, grabbing his knee. I said to myself, "Why in the world, if you're Quinn Snyder, why in God's name did you why why in God's name was 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 Donovan Mitchell still in the game when the game was out of reach and the game was no longer a doubt and it was a complete runaway and he for whatever the reason was still in the game? That I have absolutely no idea." idea why that was the case and if Donovan Mitchell is either going to be severely compromised uh, is going to be severely compromised uh, for the rest of this series and or doesn't play in the in the following game Quinn Snyder is going to have uh, is going to have many questions to answer uh, down the line because that absolutely it was late fourth quarter game was over it was I mean the de pure definition of garbage time and Donovan Mitchell still in the game I mean made absolutely no sense whatsoever uh, but we'll see if if uh, if that uh, hinders Utah 
further further along in this series. But Utah offensively, give give the Mavericks credit; they were excellent defensively. Uh, they they as a team out rebounded uh, Utah forty nine to forty and had thirty eight defensive rebounds on the night. They did a sensa- they did a sensational job. Uh, uh, um, the, the, the Mavericks did, but if you Utah, their offense was asleep at the wheel. I mean, they 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 were just absolutely atrocious. From Donovan Mitchell, who was pathetic on the night, four of fifteen from the field, zero of seven from three, hoisting up nine million threes. You live by the three, you die by the three. The Jazz the Jazz uh, put up and hoisted thirty three point shots. They only made three of them. I'll say that one more time for a point of emphasis. They sh- they put up 30, 30, 3, 0. 33 pointers, only made three of them. Shot 10% from three as a team on Monday night. Donovan Mitchell, nine points, two rebounds, one assist, one steal, four turnovers. A hideous, forgetful night of the office for him. Rudy Gobert did the best he could, paying up the slack. Six of eleven from the from the field, five of eleven from the free throw line, seventeen points, eleven rebounds, and a steal on the night. Utah Jazz offense was just nowhere to be found, and that was after you know they were very very fortunate to escape on Saturday afternoon with a one hundred ninety nine victory to tie the series up at two ga- at two games apiece. Luka did a sensational job Sunday, coming back dropping thirty points. Uh, against Utah, against Utah in Salt Lake City on Saturday afternoon, Donovan Mitchell had a much better. You know, was wasn't wasn't he wasn't great in that game either? To be quite honest with you, although he did score twenty three points, he was not great. Did not shoot the ball particularly well. Seven of twenty one from the field and two of ten from three. Uh, very fortunate, very 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 fortunate they got out of that game as their offense left a lot to be desired. Shooting twenty eight percent from three. Uh, from three in that game, and a mere sixty-one percent from the free throw line, they were they were fortunate to get out of that game uh, with by the hair of their chinny chin chin. And thanks to Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench, nine of 16, 25 points on Saturday afternoon. Series tied at two game at two games apiece. The next game of that series coming at you on Thursday. Yep, on Thursday night in Utah with Dallas having a chance to advance to the second round to await the winner of Phoenix and New Orleans. Golden State and Denver, that series... Uh, that series will resume on Wednesday night for Game Five. Uh, Denver did a nice job, played hard, played with heart, played with a little bit of passion, a little bit of uh, a self-respect element of to, to avoid getting swept by Golden State on Sunday afternoon. Excellent job by them. You know, you figure, you know, they, they did not want to get swept at home in front of their home crowd. But they did an excellent job of doing so. Golden State, you know, you heard, and you know, I got the impression that Golden. They kind of mailed it in. They kind of expected, oh well, you know, Denver will collapse eventually, and eventually we'll be able to just, you know, just to, you know, like a click of a switch, just turn on our, our on switch, and we'll just outshoot Denver, and before you know it, it'll be four and out, and here we come, a Western Conference semifinals, and we'll just sit in our tail and wait for the winner of uh, of uh, of Memphis and Minnesota, but that was not the case. They did not shoot well. Uh, in game four whatsoever. Clay Thompson was the only outlier, though. He was back to his good old form, 12-20 from the field, 7-11 from three. was absolutely sensational in 32 points. 
uh, uh, but as but as far as Steph Curry and uh, and Jordan Poole, the primary the primary reasons why Golden State uh, let, uh, had a or got out to a three nothing lead in this series heading into Sunday's heading into this past Sunday's game was because Steph Curry and uh, and Jordan Poole has were at, have been absolutely sensational. Uh, sat, excuse me, Sunday notwithstanding, Jordan Poole shot thirty percent from the field, one of five from three, eleven points and three turnovers on the afternoon. Steph Curry coming off the bench never was able. He scored thirty three points, but it was a very it was a very ugly, uh, it was a very ugly and and hard to come by. And 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 definitely earned 33 points. He did not shoot the ball well. 10 of 23, three of 11 from three. Not a, a good day at the office for Steph Curry coming off the bench on Sunday, albeit he did score 33 points. And Golden State, give him credit, they did make the Nuggets work for that victory, and it made them work, and it made it interesting. And every time you thought that the Nuggets were going to go on a run and run away and hide with the lead, here came Golden State with a with a well, you know with a run of their own to respond. But Jokic, who's an MVP. You know, excellent player, not excellent, and an excellent player in his own right. Thirty-seven points, fourteen of twenty-one, three of five from three, perfect at the free throw line. Eight rebounds, six assists, did an absolutely sensational job. Aaron Gordon as well with his nice twenty-one, an excellent effort from him. Marcus Morris, uh, the, their point guard, dropping twenty-four points on the afternoon. Or excuse me, Monte Morris, not Marcus Morris. I apologize, with twenty-four points on the night. Or excuse me, on the afternoon, uh, as the Nuggets are able to extend the series for one more game and send it back to Golden State for a game five, down three one. This series, in my honest estimation, I I feel is 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 just about is just about pretty much over. I do not anticipate Denver to come out there uh, guns blazing and playing with the amount of I don't want to say a heart, but playing with the amount of desperation as they were. On Sunday afternoon, primarily because it's in Golden State, and Golden State is going to have that home court advantage. Is going to have that home court advantage. Although there were quite a few, you know, the Golden State Warriors fan at, at times that and during the sequence of the game on Sunday made their presence known. But I do not expect Denver to come out there and and play the way that they did, uh, and play the way that they did on uh, on Sunday afternoon. But if you are, but if you are Golden State, you gotta have this in the back of your mind that Golden State, or excuse me, Denver, two year. I understand it was in a bubble. I understand you know two years ago, but two twice during the Orlando playoffs two years ago, Denver was down three one and was able to overcome it, and that's a reflection of the of the of the head coach and the team's mental toughness. I understand no Jamal Murray. You know, they had him two years ago. They obviously don't have him now. But that's a reflection on Mike Malone, who's a hell of a coach, and, and, the, and the team's attitude and the team's mental toughness. So if you're Golden State, don't fart around. Don't take don't take uh, Game 5 lightly or seriously in front of your home crowd. Don't waste any time. Don't fool around. Don't sit up here and, 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 play, and mail it in and, and think that you can turn it on, you know, let uh, Denver hang around and all of a sudden turn the switch on. No, no, no. Don't waste your time. Deliver the death blow to them as soon as you possibly can. Get them defeated. Get them out of it as often as as often and as often as often and as soon as you can. Don't fool around. Fin finish the job. Finish the deal.
That's the Golden State-Denver series. And then finally in the Western Conference with Memphis and Minnesota. Listen, if I would have came on the day I was in bed with a 103-degree fever, which was on Wednesday. Was it Wednesday? Yeah, on Wednesday. If I came on here and uh, and was eight and was well enough to come on and do a show for you guys, I'd have came on here and or or Thursday. No, yeah, because the the game was uh, was it, yeah it was Thursday. Yeah, that's right. It was no wait. I'm confused. If anyway, you get I'm, uh, while I'm trying to figure out the calendar in my head. The point is that if I would have came on here and done a show. After what game? After game. Uh, after game three of Memphis and Minnesota, I'd have came on here and screamed and yelled and would have destroyed, destroyed the Minnesota Timberwolves for not blowing not one but two twenty-point leads, and for Carl Anthony Towns after he basically you know gave us a scene out of fresh out of the notebook shout out Ryan Gosling with with him and Jordan Woods at midcourt after the after that dopey play in uh, victory against uh, against the Clippers 2 weeks ago for him to go out there on the press conference and say you know next question this next question that and go home drink some wine after he had more fouls than he did jump shots I would have had a freaking field day but lucky for the Minnesota Timberwolves, yours truly was under the weather and did not have a chance, and then also didn't have much of a voice either. Uh, it, you know, goes out there and go and escapes my quote unquote wrath, so to speak. But give him plenty of credit and give him credit where credit is due. Game four, getting off the deck the way that they did after they completely co- after the after they collapsed the way that they did. Give them all the credit in the world for bouncing back and winning one night and winning a gritty, gutty game, one nineteen to one eighteen, and give Carl uh, Anthony Towns tremendous credit. Going eighteen to seventeen, three of five from three, fourteen to seventeen from the free throw line, fourteen rebounds, three assists, thirty three points. Excellent, 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 excellent. Excellent job from Carl Anthony Towns, and also another uh, excellent job. Anthony Edwards, twenty-four points, fifty percent from the field, fifty percent from three, perfect from the free throw line, and a productive night at the target center for him. And what was a and what was a back and forth trading blows, uh, punch for punch, pound for pound basketball game as the Timberwolves find a way to tie the series up at two games apiece heading into game five. Heading into game five coming up on, uh, or excuse me, coming up tonight as a matter of fact. It's, it's weird with the series because cause some occasions, you know, some occasions where you, you'll have a series and they play every other night, and then you have other series where they play, you know, where they play once every once every two nights, and in the same series, you know, they'll play a they'll play once every other night, and then they'll have like two nights off before the next game. So it's very confusing. So I have to keep on going back into the ESPNF for the you know for the schedule to figure out and see when the next game. These games should be every other night, regardless. You know, travel you know travel days. I grant you two games in between, but if it's in the same if it's in the same uh, if it's in the same uh, 
you know, in the same city, it's it's once it should be one game, one game rest day, next day. You know that's 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 the way it should be. NBA Finals they drive me crazy. You know with with you know a series that that can be four four or five mm-hmm. games in the last two weeks because because there's a need for two for there to be two days off in between when the teams aren't going anywhere. I mean, come on. But anyway, that series set up at two games apiece. Give the Timberwolves tremendous credit for fighting back. And as far as uh, John Morant and the and the uh, and the Memphis Grizzlies, hey, these two they've they've traded blows. It's it's going to come down to who's going to have the better last game of the series. Is what's going to come down to. Uh, and I, I think, and I predicted the series to go to the full seven. I predicted uh, Memphis to win because I love how John Morant played the last month and change of the season. Had an off night Saturday night, four thirteen from the field, eleven points. Bain, their shooting guard, did an excellent job picking up the slack as long as well as Brooks, their small forward. Going to require a big time night for John Morant for them for the Memphis to regain the lead of this series heading into a game six coming up in a few nights. That is your Western Conference. We head over now to the East with one first round series in the East already concluded. We'll give you my I'll give you my thoughts on that. The Amatelica Tiers podcast continues. Welcome back to the Amatelki TIS podcast. Switching gears now and switching opposite sides of the bracket from the west side to the east side of the bracket. Uh, as far as the NBA playoffs are concerned, just go down the list here in round one. We will start, by the way, I want to give you this stat right here that I forgot to give you. In the previous uh, segment, I'll save uh, I'll save the uh, the the uh, the Brooklyn Nets uh, for uh, we'll g- give you the Brooklyn Nets uh, for last and the stat that I want to give you relates to the Brooklyn Nets. So anyway, I'll just uh, continue with my uh, with my previous thought. But we will begin from top to bottom. Uh, we will begin with the Milwaukee, Milwaukee. the uh, Miami Heat taking on the Atlanta Hawks in that series game. Uh, game four of that series took place on Sunday night with Miami absolutely kicking the crap out of the Atlanta Hawks by the score of 110 to 86. An absolutely sensational night for Jer- Jeremy, for uh, Jimmy Butler, dropping 36 points. 
10 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals in a block. Had an absolutely sensational night, not just offensively, but I, of course, mentioned the 4 steals in a 1 block. So had, a, had a beautiful night all-around game for Jimmy Butler on Sunday. Defensive and offside and uh, uh defensive and offensive side of the basketball a great night for Jimmy Butler just to take a look at how he's played in this series uh, he uh, he's you know he's played he's played uh, he play, he's played pretty well. Dropped the uh, had twenty and was and had twenty was very underwhelming in their game three loss on Friday night. But in game but in game two that he was absolutely sensational. Uh, shot sixty percent from the field, fifty seven from three. Uh, had forty five points, five assists, five rebounds, and two steals on the night in their game two vict in their uh, excuse me yeah no in their Game three victory last Tuesday when they when they beat Atlanta 115-109. Had a very subpar game for his standards in game four on Friday night and responded on Sunday, of course, with a 36-point masterpiece. Jimmy Butler has put together uh, a quietly a very nice opening round playoff series against the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, the rest of the team has complimented him well. Bam Adebayo, P.J. Tucker, Vincent Strauss, their uh, their uh, their shooting guard, has done an absolutely sensational job. Tyler Hero, sixth man of the year, did not uh, did not play, uh, did not uh, make a huge difference or or a difference, excuse me, at all on Sunday. But had an excellent twenty four uh, point performance on Friday night, the previous game before Sunday. Uh, with uh, four assists, seven and seven rebounds, uh, and a block in there, one eleven, one ten loss to Atlanta on uh, f- on Friday night. But the bigger point and the thing I take from this series is that with this with the Atlanta Hawks, you know, they at least from the eye test, and I, if I were to go back and get and get and look up the stats, I guarantee you the stats would be able and the numbers were to back me up on this. But they have not played well uh, offense. They are they got to be one of the Worst offensive teams in the playoffs as far as as far as uh, point as far as uh, scoring points and, uh, and and and, sh- and shooting per- and field goal shooting percentage is concerned because they have ju- they have they haven't been able to find it offensively throughout the throughout the long uh, long and short of this series they have just not been able to manufacture the amount of offense that we saw them. Do in their uh, in their conference final run that we saw uh, that we saw last May and, and last June they ju- they just have not been able to put it together and the majority of the blame falls on Trey Young three of eleven from the field three of ten from three uh, he attempted he attempted ten threes in the game only made three of them he only, only took one jump shot only attempted one shot that was not from from a three point range only got to the free throw line once and he missed the free throw uh did not cra- did not crash the board spread the uh, spread the wealth uh, hardly hardly you know at a very minimal rate with only five assists nine points if you care about the plus minus that he had a minus 27 for the game just a very they the Atlanta Hawks offensively have just not played well throughout this series uh throughout this series whatsoever and Trey Young especially he had a very very nice fourth quarter and put them over the top in their 110 111-110 victory against Miami on Friday night but for the first three quarters he was absolute he is uh, his performance was was substandard for the first three quarters and in turned it on in the fourth to get them the to get them their sole uh, victory of the 
this series thus far. But you know he has he has not played he has not played well. Then when they lost to Miami last Tuesday, he played all right, not great. He had he had a uh, ten turnovers, which uh, which makes your which makes your eyes bleed if you're a uh, Atlanta Hawks fan. Game two, he was disgusting. Uh, shot a eight shot a less than not less than nine percent from the field. Yeah, you heard that right, eight percent from the field, eight points. Four rebounds, six assists, turned over the basketball at plenty six times, uh, and and uh, and uh, he, he has not he just has not played well. To be to be quite honest with you, if you go ahead and you look uh, at this series, I wonder if I can get uh, if I if I could be able to punch up how he how he's been able how he's been playing in this series, but. You know he hasn't played well. You go ahead and you add up the amount of turnovers that he has committed, uh, in, in, that he's committed in this series. He's turned he turned over the basketball five times, uh, five times in game four, three times in game three, ten times in game two, and game one he turned over the basketball uh, five times. So you do the math: five into three, that's eight. Plus the uh, five and the three, that's the, or excuse me, it's better if I do it this way. The three and the ten, 13, plus the ten. He's turned over the basketball 23 times in this series. And he's on, and he's on, and, and, and he, and in two games, two, he scored in the single digits. It's not good enough. Uh, he's not, uh, he's, he's a young star. I understand he set the world on fire with his performance, especially in Madison Square Garden in the opening round uh, last May. And, and he's and and he's a he's polarizing. He's a nice young star. He kind of he plays that he plays that young villain role to a T. And he has the ability and has the potential to be and with time to be one of the game's best, be one of the game's uh, top ten best players in the sport, and be and, and and to reach that superstar level with with the Devin Booker's and the with the Devin Booker's and the Damian Lillard's and the Curry's as far as the best guards in the game. But he but as of right now, he's he's not there yet. He's turned over the basketball twenty three times in this he's thrown the basketball twenty three times in this series. And he's and he's got two games where he scored less than ton, less than double digits. Not good enough. Twenty seven percent Sunday night, eight percent in game two. And their losses. Well, what, what what you know? Lost by lost by ten against against uh, against Miami in Game Three, but in Game Two and in Game Five, not good. And in Game Four, he wasn't too much better until the fourth quarter, where he turned it on and, and was able to uh, and was able to, uh, to 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 um, to give my to give my to uh, give Atlanta another to give Atlanta a home a home win. But he's he's got to play better, and it falls on his shoulders as uh, as the best player on the team. Not time number one. Uh, get series number two with Philadelphia and Toronto. Uh, this, and I predicted, by the way, Miami to win this series in six games. Uh, to Atlanta has to win at least one more game in this series with them currently down three one in order 
for uh, for me to hit the nail on the head for that series. I predicted Toronto to win this game, to win this series in seven, and it looks like right now, ladies and gentlemen, that I might actually. And I thought at the beginning, I'd say, "Oh hell, man, boy, did I read this series wrong?" Embiid is looking like an MVP. He's unstoppable. How the how the Toronto Raptors going to stop him? And then Saturday and last night came. And it looks like yours truly, you know, the Toronto Raptors one win away from forcing a game seven. And it looks like that yours truly could look like a genius. What's it could look like a genius here with his uh, with his uh, Toronto Raptors pick? It's funny on the western side of the bracket, I've gotten it completely wrong. It looks like it looks like Dallas is going. It looks like Dallas is going to beat the Utah Jazz. I predicted Utah to win in six. I predicted Denver to win with with, uh, and I thought Jokic and I thought. Jokic was going to be able to get the job done, and I wasn't sure how Curry was going to respond coming off of the foot injury, coming playing, you know, playing the games coming off the bench, and who knew that Jordan Poole was going to set the world on fire the way he did in this series. That series looks like I, I read that series wrong. Memphis could end up beating many, could end up beating Minnesota in seven. So it looks like I may, I may, I, I had a red right there. It's a seven game series, but Minnesota can end up winning at seventeen instead of, instead of Memphis. But that series I still feel pretty good about. But Denver versus Golden State, Dallas versus Utah, and uh, and Memphis versus excuse me, and New Orleans against Phoenix. I could have read wrong. Phoenix can end up winning by predicting them to clean sweep. Of course, Devin Booker put a wrench, his hamstring injury put a wrench into the plans. But New Orleans can end up can end up upsetting Phoenix. Dallas can end up beating Utah at winning their first playoff series in 11 years. And Golden State, it looks like, has that series is all but locked up against Denver. Meanwhile, in the Eastern side, and I did the NBA Pick'em Little Bracket Challenge thing before the thing started. Hell, if, I, if I'm going to fill out a bracket for March Madness, I'm going to do one for the NBA playoffs, especially because of how my bracket uh, went, especially because of how my bracket went up in smoke, <clears throat> thanks to Wisconsin and and, uh, and UCLA. But anyway, uh, with, with, the, with the Eastern Conference side of the bracket, Miami winning in six looks like they might win in five. Toronto, after looking like they were down for the count, all of a sudden they're they're only down in a series three two, and they absolutely could win game six. And they're building the force again, the force of game seven. And in game seven, anything is possible. It looks like Toronto could end up standing this series, winning it in game seven, as I predicted. Milwaukee is not going to win this series in four, but they are definitely going to. Uh, to uh, run rup, they have ran rup shot all over, uh, all over Chicago in this series. I looks like I got that one read right. And although I anticipated Boston and Brooklyn, which we'll get to towards the latter end of the segment, I predicted this series to be an all-time classic series, to go to full seven games. I did predict Boston to knock off Brooklyn because of just how in love I've been with the with the uh, with the Boston Celtics, and in particular how Jason Tatum and his team has been playing uh, since the count since the calendar turned to twenty. 2022. So, so it just goes to show you how it looks like I, on the western side of the bracket, I look like an idiot. And the eastern side of the bracket, if Toronto win, if Toronto wins Game Six, forces Game Seven, win a Game Seven, I look like a genius. You know, I Chicago won a game. God bless them. 
I predicted Milwaukee win that series, and of course with Boston sweeping Brooklyn last night, I was able to get that to get that pick read correctly. And it looks like my you know I didn't get the probably get the number of games right, but I could end up being uh, being perfect in predicting the series winners with Miami, Toronto, Milwaukee, and Boston all advancing to the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. But anyway, I digress. Getting back to Philadelphia and Toronto with that series, that has been one. Uh, that has been one. Uh, cr- that has been one crazy series. You go back to last week, okay? Last week when Philadelphia went up two games to none, beating Toronto one twelve to ninety seven in Game Two in Philadelphia, uh, and then they head t- and then they head to Toronto. Philadelphia beats Toronto in a hard-fought game in overtime, 104 to 101, and beat him in the game-winning three in overtime. Uh, it's a, a sensational job by him after Philadelphia played very dubious towards the towards the back end of the fourth quarter in that game. Joel Embiid hit the game-winning three, finished the night with 12 of 20, 12 of 20, 33 points, 13 rebounds, two assists on the night, and a block from Joel Embiid. Uh, they take a 3-0 series lead, and then Saturday came around, and that's when and that's when things started to get funky and starting to get airy. Of course, the 76ers missing a player, missing of course had players that were not vaccinated that could not come over across the border to play in Toronto. And I and I, when I predicted when I predicted Toronto, one of the uh, bold that one of their um, best players, I predicted that his absence. Was going to uh, was going to pay pay a huge dividend in that series. One of the reasons why I predicted Toronto to win in seven games because they were not going to have Thibault because of the. Uh the uh, because of the vaccine because of the vaccine mandates across the border, it turns out uh, that that has been the case. As Toronto was able to win Game Four in their building, and they were able to split the two games in Toronto with 76ers winning Game Three in overtime, and Toronto winning Game Four on Saturday on in Saturday afternoon. He's one of their elite defenders, and they miss him badly. As uh, Pascal Siakam did a sensational job in Game Four on Saturday afternoon, um, only missed nine, only missed nine field goal attempts, ten and nineteen, thirty-four points, uh, was nearly perfect from the free throw line, eight rebounds, five assists, steals, two blocks, sensational job, and uh, Trent Jr. their their uh, their uh, their other their their. Uh, their other guard scoring 24 points on the afternoon as well, perfect from the free throw line, and uh, Young coming off the bench with 13 points. Fred Van Fleet hurt his hip; uh, he was only limited to 15 minutes of action, and, uh, and and it looks like they may not have him for a good foreseeable future for the rest of the series. But still, the Toronto Raptors found found a way to get it done Saturday, and he found a way to get it done last night in Philadelphia. The uh, se- the 76ers made the first basket of the game uh, with the first team to strike first in the first quarter. And after that opening basket, they never let again. An absolute, complete beatdown at the hands of the Toronto Raptors beating Philadelphia 103-88. Uh, Pascal Siakam again, a hell of a night at the office, 10 of 17, 23 points, 7 assists, 10 rebounds on the night, a sensational job by him. 
OG Ananubi, a nice 16 points as well. Uh, had a nice contribution. Trent Green, uh, Trent Jr. as well, 16 points. Uh, Ashua, they're up there. Guard coming off the bench, 17 points, 7-11 from three. Excuse me, 7-11 from the, from the field. Seven rebounds, six of them defensively, and three blocks. An absolute complete, complete beatdown at the hand of the Toronto Raptors with no Fred Van Fleet. And if you're uh, from a Philadelphia 76ers perspective, that is absolutely downright embarrassing getting just punked and getting smacked in the mouth in your own building with closeout game, game five, up 3-1. No Fred Van Fleet again, like I've said, ad infinitum. And, and you allow the Toronto Raptors to come up in your building and punch you in the face the way that they did. I mean, James Harden has, has again, again, I've said it ad infinitum for as many years that I've that I've been doing this show. You cannot trust James Harden in the big time spot in the playoffs. If the if if the Fed and Universe depending on it, gotta send you gotta send a, uh, a, a a a a Amber Alert for James Harden. He's been nowhere to be found. Was atrocious. Four of eleven from the field. Two of six from three. A very very pedestrian and pathetic fifteen points from James. Joel Embiid seven of fifteen. O of four from three. Twenty points. Not good enough. For for the for the debated league's MVP, the 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 Philadelphia 76ers just ought to be ashamed of themselves. As a team, shot 38 percent from the field and shot 27 percent from three. It's 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 just downright absolutely embarrassing on the part of the Philadelphia 76ers. Doc Rivers has now lost seven out of his last eight uh, closeout games. He's come across his 31 losses and and closeout games already the most by any any head coach in NBA history. He's lost seven out of his last eight. That's absolutely uh, that's absolutely embarrassing and not good and not good enough. And and uh, heading into heading into uh, the game heading into uh, game heading into last night's game. James Harden in this first round against against Toronto has been has been pedestrian and that's putting it nicely. He, heading this is a stats heading into uh heading into Monday night mind you. Heading into Monday night shot 39% from the field. He was he, he only attempted two mid-range jump shots, missed both of them and and in the paint thir- and shooting in the paint 13% shooting, and in the restricted area, 67%. I said it before, I'll, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. James Harden, you cannot under any circumstances win a championship with him. I said it. I we we saw it when he was we saw it when he was with the Rockets. We saw it in his early years of his career with Oklahoma City. We saw it with the Nets. And we saw we albeit he was hurt last year, and we and we're seeing it right here with the, with the 76ers. You cannot win a championship with James Harden. He is severely, severely overrated. He is not the player he is in a regular season as he is in the playoffs. Always has oh that's all that's always been the case with James Harden and it always will be the case with him. You can't win a championship with him because 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 when the chips are down and when there's and when champ and when championships are won and lost and when playoff series are won and lost and there's and 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 the opportunity for you to move on and win playoff series there for the taking he doesn't answer the bell. 
Straight up, he does not answer the bell. 4 of 11 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3, 15 points and 5 turnovers. Disgusting. Disgusting from James Harden. Disgusting. And Toronto has an excellent chance to force a Game 7. Win Game 6, they might as well have won the series. No chance. But then again, classic Doc Rivers. What, what, can, I, what can I tell you? Classic Doc Rivers. Uh, as we move it, as we move it along here, uh, there's not. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time harping on Milwaukee and Chicago. Chicago, uh, record-wise, one of the worst teams in the NBA out of the, all the teams that ended up making the playoffs. They had one of the worst records against uh, 500 or better teams. I did predict them to have a nice season when when the season began for them to make the playoffs. But, you know, nice season. They're not better than Milwaukee. Not a chance in hell. Giannis, best player in the world, has been, has been absolutely too much to handle for him. That se- their season will come to a close, and that series will come to a close on Wednesday night, Game 5 in Milwaukee. Milwaukee favored by 12 points. That game tip-off at 7.30 Eastern time. And then the biggie one between the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll sing Boston's praises first, and then I'll move on to Brooklyn. Uh, and, and give Jason Tamer a, a sensational amount of credit. Kevin Durant in that series with Tatum as his primary defender. Kevin Durant scored 15 points, 14 of 17 from shooting from the field. One of six from three. Turned over the basketball nine times. Jason Tam was not good. A sensational, sensational, sensational job in this series. Give him all the credit in the world. It was a bullcrap, bogus, asinine decision by Scott Foster with uh, Jason Tatum with five fouls. Calling that. How in, the, how in God's name was that a foul on Tatum? For crying out loud. I mean, really, Scott Foster? Really? This, really? Get a grip. These refs inserting themselves into games like that. How many times do you have to tell these refs to stay out of the game? My God. But anyway, Boston was able to manage without uh, Jason Tatum for the remaining two minutes and change. Uh, left in the game, 29 points, 9-16 from the field, had 5 assists, 3 rebounds on the night, did a nice job, nearly perfect from the free throw line, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, excellent job picking up the slack, they combined, scored 40, 42 points on the night, uh, as Marcus Smart had 11 assists, had 11 assists, 5 rebounds, Jalen Brown, uh, eight, ass- 8 rebounds, 3 assists on the night, that Celtics team is well coached. They are a cohesive unit. They have chemistry. They love each other. They love playing for each other. They love playing for their coach. Their coach, Yudoka Yudoka, has done an absolutely sensational job. And they have been one of the hottest, best teams in basketball since January. I, I've harped on it for, for months and months and months on end. I, and no Middleton for, 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 uh, no Middleton for Milwaukee. Milwaukee's going to have the hands full going up going up against Boston. I expect this. I expect a six-seven game series. They're going to have the hands full, but but the, the 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 Milwaukee may have the best player in the sport in Giannis, but the but the Celtics right now are the best team. They play defense. 
they rebound, they 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 make their they make their foul shots, and they put the ball in the basket. They're a well-rounded basketball team, and playoff time that's dangerous. Very dangerous. They 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 haven't looked back since January. They have played absolutely out of their mind basketball for the last four months. Let's see if they can keep it going heading into the second round. And then the other thing, and and then on the flip side is the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, that there was there was nobody. I mean, unless you are a Boston Celtics fan, or you bet against, or you bet against the Nets. There was nobody happier than me seeing the Brooklyn Nets lose and seeing the Brooklyn Nets go down and get swept. The Brooklyn Nets, ladies and gentlemen, are everything you dislike about sports. Whether it's the plug-and-play mentality of the NBA 2K My Team, whether it's the fact that they that Kyrie and Kevin Durant shipped out their previous head coach out to pasture to bring in a complete lap dog that doesn't know which way is up in Steve Nash, who got who got out coached in circles throughout the last four games in this series. I mean, what in the world it took it took him so long to, to, to play Blake Griffin, I'll never understand. They can't rebound for crap. They turn over the basketball constantly. They stink defensively. An absolute complete and utter disgrace the Brooklyn Nets are. I gave you Kevin Durant stat numbers who had an absolutely subpar who had a who had an absolute complete subpar series. His legacy's gotta take a hit for that. Last year, you gave him a pass. Kyrie and James Harden were hurt, and it was and it's just a one man wrecking crew with him. Last year, he played out of his mind, and I would have been in the series that I and others probably would have given him a complete pass. This year, notwithstanding, got to get the job done. Uh, got to get the job done. He and Kyrie Irving, no vaccine. None, none, the vaccine rules didn't have to worry about. No excuses this time. Go out there and get the damn job done. Kevin Durant came up very, very small in this series. His legacy's got to take a hit. And he, and the way he's played in this series, in my eyes, takes him off the best player in the world pedestal because he has was he was not not good is is an understatement. There are moments and times in the series where he was just downright damn near pathetic. Pathetic. He and and did you know this is a cool stat for me to throw out there to you. First time since two since two thousand five where the second round of the NBA playoffs did not have LeBron James or Kevin Durant participating in it. That courtesy of SB Nation. Nicholas Claxton uh, finished one of eleven at the foul line on Monday night. Finished at nine percent. Tied Wilt Chamberlain for the worst free throw percentage in a single game in NBA playoff history. An absolute disgrace. Kevin Durant missed the clutch free throw that they needed to uh, to bring themselves within a basket. Uh, to bring themselves within a basket to make the game to to come within striking distance that Kevin Durant missed in a closing se- in a closing minute closing seconds of that game is just completely unforgivable. Uh, in the uh, heading into heading into um, uh, heading into Monday night, Durant and Kyrie Irving combined scored 14 points in the fourth quarter in games in games two and three. Durant attempted one shot in the fourth quarter on Saturday night, a complete disgrace. 
I mean, you, you, you just cannot defend how, how the Nets played. The Nets were just com- were a complete laughing stock, not a cohesive unit. With kept with Kyrie Irving with with the vaccine nonsense, should have got himself vaccinated with this personal choice bullcrap. I mean, to hell with that foolishness. It's about the public health and the public safety of others and making yourself available to your teammates. You're a professional athlete, making bank show up and play. He did not make his season debut until January 5th. He played 29 regular season games uh, this year. He did not play a home game until March 27th because of the stupid New York City vaccine. Uh, in, indoor, unvaccinated, vaccinated rule, and I got Kyrie Irving sitting up, sitting up here saying, "Well, the reason why we struggle is because we didn't, because we didn't gel as a team." Said that among other things. Oh, oh, really, Kyrie Irving? Well, maybe. Well, do you think that maybe with the charades that you didn't pulled? With with uh, with you with the vaccine foolishness, you mean maybe maybe you think that has some that has a little bit something to do with it? I mean, maybe, maybe. You don't show up to work. You throw you you pulling the forces that you pulled over the season through a complete wrench in the team's plans and in the team's goal because you did not want to show up for work. You think maybe the reason why you guys didn't succeed because you didn't Joe maybe Kyrie because you didn't want to because you didn't bother to give a crap and show up to work I mean he saying Kyrie Irving is tough to take and tough to root for is is a complete understatement complete understatement this is a guy that time and time again Proves to the world that he does not freaking get it. And Kevin Durant's in the pit, cheesing after the game and, and and not having an element of pain in the press conference and going to go out there and take shots at Charles Barkley on social media. I mean, really. If you guys put as much effort into defying COVID protocols and to being salty, sour children on social media and in the public and, and Kyrie Irving getting back at the Boston Celtic fan who he pissed off when he promised that he said he was going to stay was nothing but a locker room cancer. Then he blew him off to go run to Brooklyn. If he spent as much effort and as much time to both of them and to getting into these petty pissing matches like, like the pestilent children that they are instead of winning basketball games, being a cohesive unit as a collective team, maybe they'd still be playing in the middle of April. Maybe they actually would have won a game in this series instead of getting swept. But Ken Durant's too busy getting into these pissing matches on social media, taking shots at Charles Barkley and Kyrie Irving, putting the middle finger up and getting into these pissing matches with with the Boston Celtics fan on Easter Sunday instead of going out there, giving giving it his best, busting his hump and putting the ball in the basket and playing and playing solid playoff playoff championship caliber basketball. If you haven't learned anything out of this, it's the fact that, that, that their priorities are out of order.
And I got Kyrie Irving saying, when I'm here with Kev, I really think it entails us managing this franchise together, along with the ownership, Joe, Cy, and, and, and Sean Marks. Hey, Kyrie, shut the hell up and get a clue. Will you please? Know your place. Know your place. Know your role. You weren't good in this series. You with, the, with the petty stuff, with the middle finger at the fans and stomping on the Celtic logo and you embarrass yourself. And Kevin Durant waited waited until game four until he decided to woke until he decided to wake up and actually realize that he was Kevin Durant. Slept walked through three games. Game four he finally turned it on, but it was too little too late. He's gonna hop on social media and get into pissing matches with Charles Barkley. Because Charles Barkley criticized him because he essentially allows Kyrie Irving to run the show. When he knows good and damn well that it's not working. And it gave him a first round ticket to Cancun. And Steve Nash can't coach his way out of a paper bag. Got coached around in circles in this series. Pathetic. Pathetic. Speaking of pathetic, Ben Simmons. You don't want to miss that. Back right after this. Urinating tree forthcoming as well. I'm going to tell you this podcast. Welcome back to the Amatilaki TIS podcast. <clears throat> As promised, you better believe I'm gonna give my two cents on Ben Simmons. I, I, I don't even know where to begin with this man. Ben Simmons is a complete, complete. Waste of time and energy. Ben Simmons doesn't give a damn about his teammates. He doesn't give a damn about his coaches. He doesn't give a damn about his bosses. He doesn't give a damn about the few net fans that are out there that paid to walk into the Barkley Center to watch him play or to turn on the televisions every single day and watch him on TV. Ben Simmons doesn't give a damn about anybody but himself. He doesn't care. He doesn't care whether or not he shows up to work. He doesn't care about putting in the work, of getting in the gym, working on his jump shot, working on his game, uh, playing and, and suiting up in full uniform with Seth Curry, Blake Griffin, uh, 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 LaMarcus Aldridge, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. He doesn't care about that. Ben Simmons is perfectly fine and perfectly okay with showing up for his little cute little shoot around so he can have his little participation trophy for the day, say he showed up, say he participated, and then get and then dress himself up in attention-seeking, stupid-looking street clothes and sit his caucus on the bench 
for the games and going right the hell home. That is who Ben Simmons is. That is what he is. That is what he has become. Okay? And I don't know about you guys, but this is how I feel about it. I don't want to hear no excuses. And none, and, and the alibi with the mental health thing, that's out the window with me. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but with me, it's what the mental health bullcrap, it is one ear and out the other. I do not trust what this man is saying to be the honest truth as far as I can throw it. Okay, what, it's a bunch of horse manure with the mental health stuff. Mental health issues my ass. When you sit up there and you quit, and that is what he did. When you quit, quit on the Brooklyn Nets the way that he did, I do not want to hear not a peep, not a whisper, not a murmur about mental health. To hell with all of that foolishness. To hell with it. Because what Ben Simmons is doing and what Ben Simmons has done, pulling this fiasco and pulling this crap that he has pulled for a for months now months is that he is setting professional athletes with real anxiety and real mental health issues he is setting them back 30 40 years with the crap that he done pulled simple he doesn't have mental health issues he has work ethic issues Let's call it like we see it. Let's call a spade a spade and call for what it is. He does not have mental health issues. He has work ethic and attempting to give a damn issues. He doesn't want to show up to work. He wants to show up, collect this check, and have the title and the status that comes with being an NBA point guard making, making, $35 million a year. And he doesn't want to sit up and play. He doesn't want to put in the work. He doesn't want to put his nose to the grindstone. And work on his game. And do his actual job. Which the Brooklyn Nets. And last year the Philadelphia 76ers. Were paying him to do. Period. Bottom line. He doesn't care. He doesn't. He can have his little cute little Instagram stories, and you can see a nice little, uh, nice little uh, side video of him practicing jump shots at, at the at the Brooklyn Nets facility in between games, or him warming up at the Barclays Center two hours prior to tip off. All of that is smoke and mirrors. That's window dressing. It's fake, fake, fake. It's not real. Nothing more than an aberration. A mirage. Ben Simmons does not care. And Ben Simmons would be better off saving what little credibility and respect that he has left amongst the NBA fan base and the NBA players' constituency. Because if you think the majority of the NBA players within the league are co-signing and are okay with the bullcrap that he done pulled, you better think again. 
If he wants to say what little respect and little credibility that he has remaining, here's what I suggest Ben Simmons do. I suggest he either hold a press conference or get somebody rich ball with the Clutch Sports Group that represents him. I suggest he do contact any of those two people, the Nets or his agency, hold a press conference or release a statement on a social media page and say, I am retiring and stepping away from the game of basketball until further notice. So that way he's not in the Nets hair. Nash doesn't have to worry about him. The front office for the Nets don't have to worry about him. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, everybody else doesn't have to worry about him. And I, for one more importantly, don't have to waste my breath and waste showtime talking about this loser. He ought to hold a press conference and say, I'm done playing basketball until further notice. Or I'm quitting the sport forever. And getting out of the national spotlight... Get out of the media spotlight and just go away. Go away. Go away. I don't want to see you. I don't want to see you on TV. I don't want to see you sitting courtside, shoot around at the next facility. Go away. I'm, I'm sick of Ben Simmons. Honest to God, I'm sick of him. I, I, I literally said to myself, I said to myself, as soon as the information from Adrian Wojnarowski came out on Sunday that he wasn't going to play in Game 4 on Monday, I, I, I find it hard to believe. And I find it a difficult task for anybody. I don't care if you're Blake Griffin or Kevin Durant. If I was a Nets player, it would take all but the, but the strength and the will of God himself for me to not straight up go up to Ben Simmons in that locker room and co-cock him across his face. Because that crap pisses me off. You haven't played in damn near a year. How did you hurt your back? Which one is it? Is it my back? Is it physical health or is it mental health? You can't play it both ways. Which one is it? So sick of this. Yo, I'm ready to play game four, guys. Oh, wait. Oh, no. I, I can't go. My back hurt. I somehow hurt my back sitting on my ass on Saturday night. Let me get this straight. He was prepared to, came to play game four. When his when his team is rats off a ship burning at the stake, their team is collapsing, getting overrun and getting ran out of the building. Defensively, offensively, rebounding, and his coach is getting and his coach Steve Nash can coach around in circles by Udoka of the of the Boston Celtics. And he decides, you know what? I can play game four, but I can't play game three. Well, hold on now. Your team's down 2-0. They need you. You can, so you can play game four, but you couldn't play game three. Why? Whatever happened to the next man up? Whatever happened to that? It's the playoffs. Yet getting wants his money. 
Yet he wants us money and he's filing a grievance against the 76ers in the NBA because the 76ers had a wherewithal enough to say, hey, you're not playing. You're not hurt. There's nothing wrong with you. You're just sitting out because you're a petulant, immature child and you don't want to play. So if you don't want to play, we're not paying you. Because we all know good and well that if that were to apply in regular old corporate America, if we don't show up to work and we're not and we're not sick, we didn't ask for permission to be off of work. Guess what? We don't get paid. You don't show you're not you're not getting paid. Simple. Especially without permission. Or there's no transparency. You don't show up to work. You don't work. You don't get paid. Yet Ben Simpson in his twisted backwards mind. He thinks that that, that the 76ers are, are withholding money from him. When he knows good and damn well. He didn't earn it. And they embarrassed themselves. And stuck up the joint. At the Wells Fargo Center in Game 7 against Atlanta. Had a wide open layup. And he decided to take a pass. Literally. And rather than him channeling that frustration. Channeling that anger. And to, this is what all time greats and professional sports do. Instead of channeling that. Working on his crafts. Humbling himself, buckling himself down, working on it again, making sure and making sure that it never happens again. He decides to take the childish route, let it get through his head, crumble like a cheap suit, and decides, you know what, I'm done. I take my ball and go home. Yet he wants his money. I mean, the temerity, the audacity, the chutzpah, the unmitigated goal, and the balls on Ben Simmons. I'm done. The sight of him on my social media feed makes me sick. And the sight of him sitting on the sidelines on my damn TV screen makes my ass itch. I've had enough. There's nothing wrong with them. My back hurts my ass. Get out there and play. See a pair dressed like a damn circus clown on Saturday night. How about, the, how about Ben Simmons just man up and touch his balls like, you know what, I'm playing. Screw this. I got fresh legs. I haven't picked up a basketball in a game in nearly a year. It's the playoffs. My team's down 2 nothing. 3 nothing, and on the void of getting swept by the Boston Celtics, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, two of the best players in the history of the NBA in the last 25 years, I'm playing the game. Can somebody either in Simmons' camp or Simmons have enough integrity and enough guts and be a man enough to sit up and say, you know what, I'm playing the game. I haven't played in June. And the pressure's on me for me to put the basketball in the hoop because that's what Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are there for. I'm going to go out there. I'll rebound. I'll, I'll, I'll spread the ball around. I'll be a great facilitator. And I'll, and I'll play hard-nosed defense. I'll, I'll, I'll make the Celtics offense work. How did them do that? 
instead of sitting on the bench crying with the passive-aggressive foolishness, how about how about Ben Simmons sit up there and say, hey, Steve, give me the uniform I'm playing. Nothing on my back. No, no. Give me the uniform. Give me the uniform. Don't do it. Seth sit on the bench instead. I mean, my God Almighty! Where's your guts? Where's your mental toughness? All of a sudden, sinking ship. We heard he's going to play in game four, and all of a sudden, I got to take a pass when I thought to play game four. Shaq said it on inside the NBA. It's a thousand percent right. That is a straight up punk wussy move that he pulled. Straight up. And if it was I, if it, he was my teammate, I'd have, con- I'd have confronted him about it. Either with the, either I, w- I would have said it loudly to him, or I damn it would have been tempted to punch him square in the face. Because you don't pull crap like that. You're a team. You don't do that to your teammates. Man, all this time make it seem like it was Philly out to be the problem. Philly grants him his wish. He strips him off to Brooklyn, and he still didn't play. Yet he wants his money. I mean, give me a freaking break. I I, I, I don't see how anybody can take him seriously at this point. This stuff is infuriating. And when the time comes for the next collective bargaining agreement and the owners sit up here and put in a, a pay-for-play clause, it'll be called the Ben Simmons rule. And when, and when the future NBA players, whether they be in the G League, in college, or in their or in their upperclassmen years in high school all across the United States of America, and when they're bad as shit because they can't get their money the way that they want it, or, 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 or there's language within, within the contract that they sign when they get drafted into the NBA and the language of it favors the owner instead of the player you know what you can thank Ben Simmons you can thank him you can write him a nice little thank you note thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you you can thank him because he's ruining it for everybody else because of his own selfish petulant disgusting childish actions I wish he'd just piss off out of the NBA already. I'm about sick of him. Tell Steve Nash to give me the uniform. Yet he wants his money. We have enough. Where's your, where's, where, where is your integrity, Ben Simmons? Again, you guys can buy that mental health plea until the cows come home. Hey, you can kiss me in between the, in between the back pockets with the mental health stuff. Blaze, I am not buying it. I try to get a benefit of the doubt. I'm not doing it. To hell with them and to hell with this quote-unquote mental health claims. It's all 
horse manure, bullcrap, hogwash, malarkey, baloney. Me, myself, and I. Selfish and lack of integrity. Ben Simmons is the antithesis of what you would want in a basketball player and in a professional athlete. And again, he's better off holding a press conference and saying, I'm stepping away from the game of basketball. Because until he decides to do so, if it's really about mental health and really about the fact that he's not mentally ready to be a basketball player, then quit egging us on, quit playing us for fool, making us out to believe that you're going to play. We know good and damn well that you're not. Step away. Don't take a paycheck. Step away and don't play. Don't sit on the sidelines. Don't shoot around prior to the game. Nothing. Go away. But he's not going to do that. You know why? Because he wants his money. He wants his money. He wants the perks. He wants the he he wants the, he wants the, the he wants the attention. He wants the social media status of being an MB, of being an NBA point guard playing in New York City and in in in, in last year's case in Philadelphia. That's what he wants. He wants the, he he wants the he wants the celebrity perks that comes with being an NBA basketball player. We don't want to put in the freaking work. To hell with him. I've had enough. Just just straight up piss off. Get out of my sight. I want to I don't, I don't want to see him anymore. One of the biggest disgraces of an athlete I have ever seen in my life. A joke and an utter disgrace. A disgrace. And if I am Durant, if I'm anybody in that Brooklyn Nets organization, I am going up to the front office, Sean Marks and the ownership, and getting on my knees and begging that they cut this loser off this basketball team. Bag it. Ben Simmons, bag it. Such a disgrace back after this with urinating tree. Welcome back to the Amatelecatiaiz podcast. Joining me now is YouTuber extraordinaire, Pittsburgh's finest and greatest, the multifaceted, the multi-talented, booming voice out of the good old 412. And that is the great urinating tree. Urinating tree, pleasure to have you back on, friend of the program, as per usual. How you doing, man? Good to have you on. I'm doing all right, man. Glad to be back on. You know, I can't believe it's nearly the end of April already. We're near draft time. Time just keeps flying by. I don't know how to describe it, but, I mean, it's been a weird couple months. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Good to have you on. Nice to have you on with us to talk NFL draft. And the uh, NFL free agency and uh, and the uh, and the National Football League offseason just as a whole, uh, just to get in, just to delve into it. You know, drafts coming up first round on Thursday. Mm-hmm. You know, Jacksonville's got the top pick. You're hearing rumblings of who who are they going to take? You know, of course, they still got their GM, 
Uh, Trent Bulky, who, yeah. for whatever the reason, is still in charge with them. Why? I have no idea, but he is. Who do you think Jacksonville, just the first scene that's on the board, just to get it out the way, who do you anticipate Jacksonville on picking? And what do you think their draft needs are heading into the draft? They went out there and they signed Christian Kirk free agency. Of course, you'd expect uh, you'd expect that Trevor Lawrence to have a much better season now that Urban Meyer is out the door. Um, how do you anticipate the Jacksonville Jaguars into, uh, attacking this uh, 2022 draft class? To be quite frank, I have no idea at this point because there's a bunch of smoke coming out from Jacksonville. I think uh, I know a couple people came out. I I, I wasn't sure it was Pelissero or somebody else said that like um, the head coach Doug Peterson wants Ike McQuonu, the GM wants Trayvon Walker, or I I believe Trayvon Walker. Yeah, the uh, the defensive end out of Georgia, and then the owner wants Aiden Hutchinson. So. Right. It's a coin flip either way. I thought they would go Evan Neal, but I don't think that's on the draft board for any of them. I know, like, Iquonu, like, he's a just specimen, but he's still raw. He needs time. Um, I would say Hutchinson would be a good pick. Trayvon Walker's just shot up through the roof just because of his pure athleticism and ability. But, hmm. I, I mean, ideally, I wonder if they trade down, if somebody gets desperate for somebody like, you know. M- my theory has always been, that apparently there's smoke starting to come about like Malik Willis going at two, which mm-hmm. I feels a bit of an overreach, but maybe somebody like a Carolina panics trades up to number one and picks Malik Willis. I mean, I love yep. Malik Willis, but he is not worth a number one overall to me because he still Absolutely needs a year not. or two of development. But I mean, Carolina's at a point, think about it. They had a disaster of a season last year. Quarterback has not been fixed. Matt Rule is on the verge of getting fired. The only reason why he hasn't been fired is because he's owed $45 million. Like, that's the only reason why he's still a coach. They might be feeling like that pressure come from them, and they're like, look, we got to do something quick. Because, like, their options right now, um, like, I'm just shooting out my ass here, but I feel like it could be Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett. Because I feel like they have to go quarterback, even if it's a desperate reach. Because you can't trot Sam Darnold out there. You can't trot Sam Newton out there. I mean, you might as well wave the white flag. We saw what happened after CMC went down. Like, at best, Sam Darnold was was okay, but he is not he, anywhere he near. He was excellent. Yeah, he was excellent for about the first few weeks of the season, yeah. and then he hit the wall, and it looked like he was back mm-hmm. over with the and Jets. Had, like, I mean, they had, a, they had a soft schedule to start the year, too. I think they played New Orleans, I want to say – the Jets, and I forget who was their week three. I think it was Jacksonville? Was look, it Jacksonville? I'll look it up. Yeah, I think I'll it was. Or, or the Texans. I think it was the Texans. But, like, it was a really soft schedule, and it just really masked a lot of their issues heading into, like, the early going. And then they went into Dallas and just got smacked. And then what happened was CMC went down. They lost their offense. They brought in Cam Newton as the sort of, like – bring asses in the seats move mm-hmm. even though he was nowhere near what he was to, to, to pull the to pull the fans heartstrings their mm-hmm. first three weeks it was jets week one mm-hmm. uh saints week two uh texans week it three was texans okay and dallas was when they hit the wall yeah, when they got uh, smacked four at, on october the third yep you make okay. it 
All right. I was close. But uh, I mean, like Detroit, you can go like a bunch of ways too. I feel like Malik Willis wouldn't be a bad pick for them. You know, somebody who needs a year to develop, you let him sit behind Jared Goff for a year, then see what he can bring. Even though Detroit's not a big fan of it. I mean, I can also see Aiden Hutchinson, yo, local boy, stays in Detroit, is there Trayvon Walker. Um, I, I, they don't need a tackle because they already have Panay Sewell. They have Taylor Decker, so you're good there. Um, I would probably say maybe I, – I don't think they want to go corner because, you know, what happened with Okuda. Right. But um, I feel like it could be like an edge or a quarterback there. That would be my guess for Detroit. With with Detroit, do you trust do you trust that Detroit is going to go through about this draft process the right you know they were a feel good story last year everybody mm-hmm. loves uh loves um what's his name Dan Campbell and uh, you know they're going to be on hard knocks this summer uh, do you trust the the quantum, I hate this phrase it's the most overused overrated phrase in sports all the time but it applies here do you quote unquote trust the process with the Detroit Lions heading heading into this draft on how they will address their needs or no I I need more time to figure that out the early returns have been good but I said the same thing last year about Carolina and look what happened with them so it mostly depends on a lot of different factors um they did overachieve last year. That's true. But they were in a lot of games because right. I was talking about this with my brother on Sunday. Remember, they were on the brink of beating Baltimore. It was because of a fourth and 30 that converted in a literal kick of God from Justin Tucker. And the there was the Viking by the refs. Yep. Yep. Well, well, everyone keeps arguing that it wasn't, but it was like it kind of was. But even right. then, I mean, it was a kick of God. That oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say, well, I mean, against Minnesota first game. Yeah, they, yeah. I mean, they lost on a final drive. They had the lead there. Pittsburgh, if they had a kicker, they would have won there. Yeah, when they tied them, absolutely. They threw every trick in the book against the Rams. They still ended up losing, I think, by I think two scores, I believe. I, I, I can look it that, up, but so. yeah, yeah, that was one. That was the game. Stafford threw three interceptions. It was just absolutely just horrendous. No, actually, that was the uh, that was Vikings uh, Vikings Rams. But oh, I, yeah, that's right. That's that right. was the one where he well, had a rough game. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, as I said, it's just – it's too early to tell. Do the, you – go ahead. You first. Uh, no, you're good, man. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, um, do you uh, – what do, when you look at, you know, the, do you see this being a more – defensive heavier draft as far as the amount of talent that's on the board you see a Gardner the corner out of Cincinnati Kyle Hamilton the safety out of Notre Dame Trayvon Walker Aiden Hudson Aiden Hutchinson excuse me you know do you see that a lot of a lot of top heavy defensive talent that you see uh that across everybody's draft boards headed in do you see this to be a more dominant defensive draft uh, this year than others, or what? Do, or do you see it being 50-50 or it bearing on on uh, on different teams' needs? I would say more on teams' needs. Also, you have to remember quarterbacks always get like reached on in a lot of aspects. All the because, time. Because I mean, it's not going to be like last year where you have five going in the top fifteen. 
but you could have two, maybe three go in the first round, even though most of them, the only one who has like a quote unquote first round grade is Malik Willis. With this year, you don't have a clear cut number one. You have a bunch of really solid players, especially in the top 15, top 20, maybe top 30. But in the most part, it's it's a total coin flip. I mean, you can't predict anyone to go anywhere, which is why the draft's going to be really interesting this year. Because you're going to have some like teams that just jockey for position, especially later on. You're probably going to get another four, four and a half plus hour marathon. That's what yep. you're probably getting this year. So Absolutely. I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it plays out. 100%. Do you, uh, I know you, you and uh, Mr. Uh, shout out to Mr. Five Points stream every single year. Yes, sir. Do you get, do you get into the draft as far as like the event itself? Every, I know 2020 was like an anomaly because mm-hmm. we were dying for a sport event to that watch that. So that, so that was like the one that everybody paid attention to because it was like live sports actually not, not a live as in like an actual game, but a live sporting event that was on television outside of that one. Do you normally get yourself worked up for the draft or do you get sidetracked or is it kind of like in the forefront of your mind because you got, because you got, you know, baseball and, and uh, in years past, you've had the you've had the Stanley Cup playoffs, but now, you know, it hasn't quite started yet yeah. with that. And I know you're not that big of an NBA guy, but also the NBA playoffs mm-hmm. going as well. I've always had that mindset, you know, up until 2020, ironically enough, is when I like, where it's like my attitude kind of changed. But especially because my team had the top pick and draft and bro, everything else. But my philosophy and my mindset, and I'd be criticized on social media for this all the time, you know, because I'd say, what I, I'm not going to sit here and just watch people come into a microphone and announce draft picks. I'll read on social media. I'm reading the paper the next day. I got if I, if there's live actual <laughs> games on television, I'll I'll, I'll watch my Orioles. I'll watch NBA playoff basketball. I'm not going to sit up here for for three and a half, four hours watching a draft. I mean, you can. But now twenty, but then twenty twenty came around. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, my attitude, my attitude is different. Mm-hmm. Were were you at? Have you were you at any point in that similar camp, or do you get? like hyped about the draft like like essentially the rest of the football world does because I, I and i understand part of it because it's like the nfl's first real big time event since yep. the super bowl that that kind of kicks off and it's the catalyst mm-hmm. of, of of the of the new season of the new year but uh do, but do you you know echo any of that sentiment or uh, or is it just me I would say it's more about the camaraderie and the festivities than it is about the draft itself. I feel like it's become like a big event on the calendar. I mean, if you were mentioning this 40 years ago, the NFL didn't even want the draft uh, televised because they just put mentioned names in a hotel room. Like now it's become a huge event. You have it in Las Vegas this year. You're going to have it in other places next year. I think uh, Detroit's having it in 2023, if I remember correctly, or I, I, it could be Los Angeles. I'm not sure, but um, I know like it's uh, like now it's considered, I would say the marquee event of the NFL offseason. You do have the free agent frenzy, which has been, you know, I feel like it's going to become more of the norm, especially since players see they have power. And now you have a, a contract that reset the market like a Christian Kirk that came out of nowhere. And now every other wide receiver wants that big money because Hey, Christian Kirk's making 18 million. Why am I not making that? So that's why you had like Tyree Kill moving. You had Devontae Adams moving, even though he probably could have moved elsewhere. Uh, you have Debo Samuel might be getting moved. You have uh, new contracts for like potentially AJ Brown. You have them for Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin. 
So that's the kind of situation you have right now. I feel like football, both a good way and a bad way, have become year-round sports. Good as in, hey, great for the NFL. You have huge exposure. You're going to get have the demand for that product. Bad as in you might be getting burned out because there's no break. So it's like constant, 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 which has killed like the momentum of a lot of leagues, specifically the NHL. But at the same breath as well, I think there's a market for like uh, the other leagues jockeying for position. But I feel like the MLB and the NBA are trying to deal with that sort of phenomenon. I feel like the NBA and the NFL, like um, they kind of overlap in some ways, but in the same, I feel like they're different. They cater to different um, demographics, dynamics and sort of styles. MLB is kind of in a weird regard, though, because at the same time, it skews older. Uh, more conservative, I would say, but I would feel it's tough because, I mean, you had the lockout. People were still kind of upset about that, but I mean, the NFL in the same regard, it's kind of the, uh, there's some overlap too, but once again, like I would say baseball season's just beginning. I mean, I feel like that momentum starts in the summertime, June, July, August, there's not much going on. And then you have playoff baseball in October. That's when it's at its peak. So I feel like but it's then, just but then the NFL blows up its spot because mm-hmm. it's right smack dab. Yep. September not in October. the middle, but it's 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 like you know like a roller coaster where they're not on the ground yet. But October they're like starting to climb up that oh, hill, yeah. and, and baseball get their gets their postseason spot mm-hmm. blown up. I mean, it's 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 absolute. I mean, people talking NBA regular season basketball and mm-hmm. the World Series is going on. But oh, you know, that, that's you know, that's just been my like personal forte myself. You know, I haven't got I in years past don't get into it unless, prior to 2020. But you know, I'll be into it. I'll be into it this year. You know, one mm-hmm. night on Thursday is all I'm gonna take. You know, yeah. Friday, Friday, Friday's, Friday. Friday's a little weird. I feel like Friday's like you kind of get the second round and then it starts to drag come the third Saturday. You're not really paying attention. You're kind of looking in the backdrop like, Oh, you drafted this guy. Right. That's what it feels like. Absolutely. You know, I'll be into it. I'll be into it Friday. Uh, you know, the, the varying on what NBA uh, playoff games will have, will try to seek my attention. But, you know, Saturday, I'll be into a Thursday, depending mm-hmm. on what NBA game. Oh, but yeah. Friday and Saturday, you know, I, I could care less. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to switch gears down to the market, to the, uh, do, are there any players that you've heard about, read about, uh, seen film on that you think could be under the radar players that could be, that could end up being late first round, if not second and third round steals? coming up on Thursday and throughout um, this upcoming weekend. The way I see it, I feel like for the most part, it's once again, it's always a situation where you're going to have at least one or two guys that are projected to be top draft picks just fall for no reason whatsoever. Last year was JOK, Jeremiah Owosu-Koromora, but which he was supposed to be mid first, late first. Then he just dropped for what seemed to be no reason in the late second round. Turns out there was a heart defect with him, but it turns out it's not going to affect his career. Uh, Miles Jack was one that fell in, you know, five, six years ago. He turned out to be pretty well. JOK as well has turned out pretty well. So in this regard, I feel like it's going to be a situation where a guy 
that started out as a top draft pick and then falls inexplicably, maybe to the late first, that turns out to be a success. Uh, For whatever reason, it seems like it might be Kyle Hamilton because he was projected to be like a top five, top 10 pick. And now he's been slowly dipping down the boards as other people have started to come up. So there's going to, uh, there's a glut of tackles as well that are sort of in that middle ground. And there's not, how many teams need offensive tackles right now? Not too many, because I feel like they want to go for the sexier picks like um, Philadelphia. They'll probably go interior line like a Zion Johnson or a Linderbaum, especially since they have an aging like interior line. um, Pittsburgh, they probably would go defensive tackle or quarterback, even though they do need offensive linemen, especially in the interior on tackle. I would say, hmm. Like, I mean, at this rate, it's just a, just a guess to me mm-hmm. at this point. So you'd have to wait until draft time to even think about formulating an answer. And even then, it's too premature. Absolutely. Speaking of Pittsburgh, you able to, you brought them up. Uh, Pittsburgh, you know, they're, like you previously stated, you know, they need offensive, they need offensive linemen. They need a quarterback. What mm-hmm. do you do you how do you see uh, Pittsburgh attacking their draft needs heading into Thursday? They had what I should know this, but do you know what pick Pittsburgh has in the draft? Uh, 20th pick, 20th, 20th, 20th. So, um, I would say more or less there are a couple different ways you can take this. I feel like they want to go quarterback, but. I don't know if Willis or Pickett are going to be there come 20. And I doubt they're going to reach for a guy like uh, a Sam Howell or a Desmond Ritter. I would, I don't think I'd be too happy with that pick. I'd be like, Oh oh God. Cause like, I haven't seen much on Howell, but the comp is Baker Mayfield. It's like, why don't we just get Baker Mayfield when he's cut? Right. And like he, his stock kind of fell, especially with a rough senior year, Desmond Ritter. He's not bad. He is intrigued, but at the same time, he has fumbling issues. Which I mean, even with like Kenny Pickett's supposedly small hands, he had more. Wasn't good, and was and was not good in the uh, in the Alabama uh, semifinal game mm-hmm. on New Year's Eve. Yeah, but well. I mean, that's Alabama's defense. Not too many look good against them, unfortunately. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. Absolutely. Yeah, they have at least five like first, second rounders in that defense every year, if every that, maybe more. Um. I would say, like, you can take it, like, a bunch of different ways. I mean, my pick would probably be a Jordan Davis, uh, like, defensive tackle out of Georgia, mostly because our run defense was atrocious last year. It was the worst the Steelers had been in decades, and I think it was, like, the second or third worst in all of football. So I feel like you need to shore up that interior line. You don't know if Stephon Tewitt's coming back. Tyson Alawalo's aging, unfortunately. He's coming off a major injury. You need somebody for that run-stuffing ability, even if it's a traditional nose tackle that seems obsolete in the new NFL. He's not like a Casey Hampton where all it is is just clog the interior of the line. Jordan right. Davis does have, like, some skills there. You could also go with, I mean, Tyler Linderbaum out of um, out of Iowa, the center. I feel like that would be a good pick, but, I mean, it depends how – the Steelers feel about some of their picks. James Daniels, it's a really nice signing, especially like a lot of the praise coming out of Chicago and their weak offensive line, he was considered their best. So he probably replaces Trey Turner. Do you go with Mason Cole at center? He was the, he was a center guard hybrid out of Minnesota. I mean, I don't know if you really want to go competitive there, but I feel like mostly the Steelers would probably try to go 
probably quarterback if they can, but the only way to do that would be to trade up because unfortunately I think Willis and Pickett go in the top 10. Interesting. Where do you see Hutchinson going? Aiden Hutchinson. I don't think he falls further than two or three, mostly because I feel like Detroit's going to snag him or the jets maybe snag him. Right. Or the Texans. Sorry. The Texans, Texans at three. I keep thinking the jets are still top three. (laughs) 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 Funny. That's funny. Where do you see um, we did uh, your team? Let's talk about mine, the defending <clears throat> AFC champions. Uh, where do you see, you know, I hear talks, you know, and I've seen people's mock drafts at the center out of Iowa. Linderbaum, by, yeah. by that would be a stroke, huge pick for them. By some stroke of God, you know, drop down to, what are we, 31? 31. Drop down to the 31st pick, and we could end up slag- snagging them. You know, we have we need more depth on the offensive line mm-hmm. because we're about a couple of bad injuries away from being essentially right back where we were last year. Yep. So you need some added depth there. We have signed a lot of uh, a lot of veterans that have been around the block a little bit. Uh, and then, of course, you look on a defensive side of the football, you need you need some extra help up front. Uh, you know, Logan, Logan Wilson and uh, Jermaine Pratt line, with the linebacker. But I think our biggest hole on the defensive side of football is the secondary. I mean, yeah. our secondary was not exactly, you know, was not exactly Corner. that. Yeah. I mean, Eli Apple getting burnt by Cooper Cup in the Super Bowl for a perfect example. I mean, corner is, is, is the, is the glaring hole on the defensive side for Cincinnati. And then of course you gotta, you gotta make sure that you have added depth with the O-line. Where do you think Cincinnati should go? Should you go with added depth with the O-line or see if you can get one a, a, a top corner with the 31st pick. I feel with the Bengals, I feel like you should go with the best player available at that point because there are like certain situations where you can say, okay, we added three top-tier free agents in the offensive line and Kappa, Karras, and Lyle Collins. So you've solved three of your issues right there. I mean, I think Karras is a center guard, so you could be able to move him around a little bit. You have Jonah Williams at left tackle, who I don't think is like the creme de la creme, but I think he's pretty solid. So you have something there. So you have four-fifths of your line right now. Your main question would probably be right guard or right tackle. So suppose uh, Trevor Penning falls to, you know, 31st. I think you snag him. I would say he's a bit of a big body, more of a project per se, but I think he could be pretty good for you. Uh, Kyer Elam out of Florida wouldn't be a bad pick as well. You know, cornerback out of Florida, I think he would be an interesting one. Um, there may be a guy that slides too. Maybe Linderbaum slides to 31. I think you snag him immediately. But the once again, if, I, he, if he falls that far, if it falls that far, would you say it's a must that we get him? I don't know about a must. It depends who else falls. Cause like at the same time, once again, you've patched up some holes in the offensive line. It mostly depends on how you feel he fits into your scheme. Is Ted Karras going to be your center or is he going to convert to guard? That's the question that would debate me if it's Linderbaum or somebody else. Could you see Cincinnati trading up at all? Possibly. It depends if there's like somebody who falls like uh, maybe I forget Stokes Jr. No, not Stokes Jr. I forget his name. Um, One of the corners, I believe. Uh, I got to look up. You referring to Ahmad Gardner? No, not Sauce. Um, um, Maybe McDuffie. I I don't know if he's going to fall that far, but Andrew 
Andrew Booth Jr. Yes, Booth Jr. That's who I'm thinking of. Maybe if he falls to like 25, say Cincinnati thinks like, okay, we can trade maybe a third and a fourth, move up maybe a couple positions and then snag him. That's my thinking. Interesting. And how do you think and how do you think uh, those bastards in L.A. that beat us in the Rams, how do you feel like they're going to address? the? I mean, they got no first. Round yeah, draft picks. Uh, they got so. they have no I, I don't think they have a draft pick till round five. So, like, I don't think they've traded their first for Matt Stafford. They traded their second and third for Von Miller. They traded their fourth a bit ago, I think. So they're not drafting for a while. So, you know what they're doing? They're on the beach right now. Legs are up. Chilling, they're on a they're they're drinking daiquiris and they're sitting there like yeah. you morons have draft picks. Ah, that's Absolutely. what they're thinking right now. They Absolutely. don't care. Any 100%. questions we had about them? Any doubts and concerns about? Oh, your future's gonna be fucked. Guess what? They have a ring. Kiss it. Yeah. They don't care. Absolutely. Uh, Matthew Stafford with the AT&T commercials dropping me crazy and Sean McVay with his uh, Ukrainian supermodel Cole kicking in a draft house where they won't have a pick until about 445. Oh, they're, oh, they're having afternoon. a party. That's all they're having. Absolutely. Um, now, the team that fit now, the uh, how about the Green Bay Packers? Hmm. Once Playoff failure once again. Aaron Rodgers come up small once again. Uh, they said goodbye to Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. What are they? What are they? We hear Aaron Rodgers moaning, groaning about what they got to go wide out. Their, what they got to go wide goal? receiver. They have to go wide receiver. Like there is no other option right now. You don't have a viable wide receiver option besides Alan Lazard and, and Sammy Randall Watkins, Cobb. Randall, and Randall Cobb. And no, Randall Cobb I mean, you aren't going to do – you aren't going to survive like that. You've lost Equinemia St. Brown. You've lost Marquez Valdez-Scantling, even though he didn't really blossom into anything. That's still a bit of a loss. And Devontae Adams, which is, you know, one of your biggest headliners in the Packers organization. Even though they did offer him as much money, he just chose to leave. So it's 100%. unfortunately one of those. I, I could also see them going edge to replace the Darius Smith. But it mostly depends on who falls. They ha- they're they're going to go wide receiver easily. They might go wide receiver two out of the first three picks they have, just because it, it is such a pressing need for them right now. Hundred percent. Uh, Kansas City. How do you see? You know they they lost a little bit. You know mm-hmm. Tyron Matthews not coming back. Uh, Tyree Kill said goodnight. Their running game isn't exactly one of the uh, best in the AFC. How 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 are the Kansas City Chiefs going to address this draft heading into it? Oh, they have two first round picks to work with in the late twenties, so they may actually package and trade that up for perhaps a wide receiver that falls. Maybe Philly thinks like, you know what, we don't need a second first round pick around this area. Let's grab grab some more futures for next year. Move back. That might be that what they're thinking. It could be a situation where okay, we need offensive line help. We did lose a couple pieces there, so we may go there. Um, maybe it's cornerback because once again, Traveris Ward is now a 49er. So yep. maybe they pick that. I would say, hmm, I'm sure who else? I mean, obviously they're not going quarterback. They're set there for a while. Uh, I feel like uh, interior linebackers kind of set right now. I feel like they're comfortable with Willie Gay Jr. and a few other guys. Um, hmm. It depends how they feel about, like, if they feel that they can sign Chris Jones and Frank Clark. 
Like, do you think there is still the future? They may go edge if somebody falls. Um, yeah, I think cornerback would probably be your best bet there just because of their needs right now without your various ward. Yeah, they're, they're second, their secondary got eaten for, for lunch. It did not even take a hit in free agency. The secondary was atrocious. The first Bengals game on January 9th. Mm-hmm. The championship game, they were pretty well for about like a half and a quarter. And then yep, the and fourth quarter came along, they, they, you know, it fell apart. I mean, Trent Taylor, who the Bengals activated off the freaking practice squad, had Daniel Sorensen in his pants around his ankles when he caught the game-time two-point conversion catch. Daniel Sorensen, jeez. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he, he is, oh my goodness gracious. I mean, he is just, whew, in, in Well, he's a Saints problem now, so have yeah, fun. Absolutely. 100%, 100%. Um, and then lastly, the team, the team I want to uh, get your two cents on the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you, th- you know, they, Sammy Watkins, they said goodbye. They're really, look, they really given the keys to the wide receiver room to the, to Rashad Bateman, the, their first round draft pick who mm-hmm. missed a good little bit of time out of Minnesota. Yep. Uh, you know, they, they're what they, it's, I, I would imagine it's fair to say that that their wide receiver room isn't up, isn't obviously the best in the division and one of the worst in the conference. Yeah. I don't think it's a stretch. I don't think it's a stretch to say that. Um, how do you, you know, and the Ravens also looking to build up their defense. Uh, that they did resign Calais Campbell for a good mm-hmm. short term deal. Uh, could they re- could they try to bolster their offensive line? How do you see the Ravens attacking, attacking, uh, attacking uh, the draft? There are a lot of different ways they can take this. I feel like offensive line could work, as you said. I feel like corner might work as well because they, I think they did lose Anthony Averett, if I remember correctly. I'm not sure, though. I know they they mostly need depth. They've had a lot of issues trying to fill out as well because injuries killed them last year. We all know that, 100%. unfortunately. Unless they panic and draft running back, which I highly doubt. But, I mean, uh, if, if a wide receiver falls, I can see them picking one because they failed to really fill that position in free agency. Most of their first-round picks have not panned out. Marquise Brown's okay, but he's not elite. Rashad Bateman hasn't really proven anything yet, unfortunately. You still hey, have Mark Avery is gone. Avery's Avery gone is gone. That's Ravens. what I thought. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure. So, corner might actually be your pick. But it mostly depends on who falls. Maybe one of the top corners falls. It's like that's a pure Raiders pick. If somebody like a McDuffie or even uh, I doubt that Stingley's going to fall that far or Gardner's going to fall that far. But maybe McDuffie's like, hey, that's a pure Ravens pick. Hundred percent. Now looking ahead to uh, looking ahead to from the draft of free agency. A lot of crap happened in free agency. Aaron Rodgers came back. Devontae mm-hmm. Adams did not. Let's address that first, by the way. You know, the idea that I've heard, I don't know what your take on it has been. So I, so I want, you know, fresh opinion here. Uh, I don't think Devontae Adams makes the Raiders a division favorite under any circumstances. I still think that, that what you, with all due respect to Derek Carr, and he's a talented quarterback, what you see with, what you see with Derek Carr is what you get. The best that you saw from Derek Carr was the year where he, where he had his leg broken and, and yeah. he got the MVP 
and and the number one seed and the Raiders got it taken from him. I forget what I think I forget what year was that. But that that's the best he's ever going to play in the National Football League. It sucks, but that but that's just the, that's just the way of life. I mean, they had plenty of opportunities to beat my Bengals. They could they failed to do so on the fourth and goal pass. I mean. On, on the fourth and goal pass, uh, even if the ball isn't intercepted by uh, by Jermaine Pratt, the the Raiders receiver catches the ball. He goes down at the three yard line. You need a touchdown to win the game to extend the game. Throwing a throwing a little uh, curl, throwing a little dot pass on a curl mm-hmm. pad not to, at the five yard line. I mean, it's fourth and goal for you to win a playoff game and and, and to keep your season going. And and, and and spike play also earlier in that drive absolutely made no sense. There was a lot of moments in time also in that game where their drives completely stalled in the red zone. I with with their opening drive, of course, being being I think one of the biggest ones, but they were forced to kick a field goal. What you see is what you get with Derek Carr. They're going to be the fourth best team in that divi- in that division. Now, fourth best team in the division doesn't necessarily mean six and eleven. Seven and ten, eight and nine. It could mean nine and eight, ten and seven. Mm-hmm. But but it's but it's but 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 they they're gonna they're going still gonna finish in last place. They might be the they might be considered the best last place team in football. But they're gonna finish in last place. Not I don't I, Devontae Adams trade. I, I think that's a, I think it's that's more window dressing than it is that than it is. Hey, we're trying to become Super Bowl contenders. You know the Denver Broncos going out there and trading for Russell Wilson. That puts that puts you into the Super Bowl mm-hmm. conversation. What the Chargers did in free agency that puts you into the Super Bowl. That puts you into the Super Bowl conversation. Trading for Devonte Adams and giving him a big time contract to boot. No, not 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 in my eyes. I would say it's a splash move for Las Vegas because mainly, I think they need a big time wide receiver. They haven't had one since. You know, Amari Cooper left town, but I feel it's one of those situations where, okay, do you have enough? Do you think Josh McDaniels is going to be the coach to get you there? I'm not that optimistic about McDaniels, no. Uh, Denver, it makes sense to get a quarterback because their biggest issues last year were quarterback play and offensive scheming. You get somebody that overhauls it, even though Russell Wilson's a huge risk in itself, especially with what they paid, you got to take the chance because their option was Aaron Rodgers or bust. They couldn't live without another year of Drew Locke or another year of they go out and grab like Jacoby Brissett as a as a backup role. Like you couldn't survive like that and you couldn't pay a premium for Deshaun Watson. So it mainly depends on, okay, like is do you think it's going to be enough though? I feel like Denver's defense is going to be, be able to take them, but Kansas City's still going to be there, especially with that potent offense. Maybe their defensive their scheme gets revived a little bit, but at the same time, it's impossible to predict who's going to actually end up on top for that division. We keep saying the chargers are sleeper picks, but we've been saying that for years, last 20 years. Years, <laughs> different yes. quarterbacks, different head coaches held two different stages, and we're mm-hmm. still saying the same old thing about the Chargers. Yep. But uh, yeah, but I, I don't think, regardless who wins, I don't think the Raiders is one. It, the, it's going to be Kansas City. It's going. It's going to be Kansas City Chargers and the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Because I also say, I also think to myself that three out of those four teams, I can see winning the Super Bowl. 
and the Raiders are not one of those teams. Yeah. Even even Kansas City, I could see they may not have a great regular season per se, but they could fumble their you know go eleven and eleven and six or a nasty twelve and five make the playoffs and and and, and have a stellar three four weeks and win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Raiders again. No disrespect to Derek Carr. He's got he's still a talented quarterback. He's no scrub, but what you see with him is what you get. You know, yeah. I'm not I'm not taking Derek Carr over over three quarterbacks, one of whom who's the rookie of the year, who's gonna be freaking sensational, and two quarterbacks who combined have two Super Bowls between them and uh, and four Super Bowl appearances. Uh, and but and ironically, back to back in Wilson and Mahomes. Their first two years, their, their their second and third years and starters in that football league, they went back back to the Super Bowl. But I I just don't say. I also don't think with the Packers with Aaron Rodgers as well. I mean, they're going to be there because the NFC is just so weak. But they have lost so much this past off season. It's like, what are you going to do? Get number get number one seed or number two seed if you don't edge out the Rams and and fold in the and fold in the playoffs again. A, a similar thing with the Packers, you know, and the only way, and the only difference is that they play in a weaker division and a much weaker conference. But that's, mm-hmm. but it's the same. It's the same story with them. What you see is what you get. Oh yeah. And then Tom Brady, and and, and then here's I, here's what I went. To. How about Tom Brady coming back? Tom <laughs> Brady forty. Tom Brady forty four years of age. We have the whole controversy: is he retired? Is he really retired? Oh, controversy! ESPN, Darlington, Schefter, all nine yards. And you know he's retired for about a he's retired about a couple of weeks. And then selection Sunday, Sunday night, he decides. You know what, guys? I, I, I've had I've had enough of taking the kids to school. I've had enough of Giselle. I'm coming back. I mean, I mean he's like, you, you know what? I'm bored. That, yeah, that's all I'm he bored. said. Aboard, you know, I, and, I, and here I, you know, and here I am. You're, you're going, you're, you're going to vomit. But I, area TV talk, who's like, no, you know what? Season 22, 22. Why not come back 2022 season? Keep it going. So TB 12th coming, TB 12th coming back. But another interesting free agency thing, you know, does Khalil Mack in your eyes? Is he? Does he provide? You know, you got Khalil Mack. Joey Bosa, who I think is a little bit overrated. He's he doesn't hold, in my opinion, he doesn't hold a candle to his brother Nick. Nick is a much better player than Joey is. It's just not even an argument. Uh, do you see? Do you think Khalil Mack makes the Chargers defense that much better, or do you think it's window dressing? It mostly depends if he stays healthy. I think Khalil Mack is still an excellent edge rusher. He's definitely a good foil for a Joey Bosa. I think the bigger addition, too, is J.C. Jackson, especially for that defense. If he meshes with their scheme, I think he does excellently. The biggest issue for the Chargers last year is their defense in general was atrocious. Run defense was the worst in the league. Pass defense wasn't too far behind. So, like, they'd have to go balls out every game just to keep up with it. I mean, even the Cleveland game was a lot like that, too, when it became, like, 49 to 42, which your flaws were kind of there, even though it kind of masked it because the Chargers offense was really good. But that, that horrible run defense ended up costing them a playoff spot. So they had to address it, and then in a way they did. I feel like they may go like interior line as well if somebody falls. So we'll see. I think Jordan Davis may be the pick for the Chargers too. Even though he's more of a traditional 3-4, I feel like 
And the Chargers are more of a 4-3, so I don't know if he fits. Do you, with Russell Wilson, and I kind of want your opinion, not just from a Broncos perspective, but for the Seahawks as well. With the, you know, obviously it was time, you know, the writing was on the wall. The Seahawks failed to make the playoffs the first time since Russell, well, not for the first time, but they had a sub-500 season for the first time since Russell Wilson has been a starting quarterback. He was there 10 seasons. One there, it's funny, he got drafted 10 years ago Played 10 seasons there, but it did not play for the Seahawks for the full 10 years. It just, just goes to show you how if, how if everything fought around you uh, breaks down and falls apart, how, you know, it's here today, gone tomorrow at mm-hmm. the snap of a finger. I You hear rumblings that the Seahawks organization hasn't exactly been as top quality you know, since the late uh, Paul Allen's passing a few years ago, that you heard that they didn't let Bobby Wagner know that he was getting cut. He kind of heard that from an out. He heard that from an outside source, like the rest of us did. Mm-hmm. They say goodbye to Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson, the two lone remaining players from that 2013 championship team, gone in the same day. Wilson traded, Bobby Wagner cut. Mm-hmm. What is the state of the affairs of the Seattle Seahawks? And then we'll, I want your take on how Russell Wilson will shape and help the Denver Broncos this upcoming season. The Seahawks are in a bad situation right now. They know they need to rebuild, but I feel like they still want to cling on to what made them great. I don't know why Pete Carroll and John Schneider are still here. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I mean, you have to wipe the slate clean. You already are because you've you've shed the final remnants of that Legion of Boom and that Super Bowl winning team. The only one there is Schneider and Carroll. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, Schneider and Carroll. I thought I got it wrong. My bad. I know with, um, you know, Bobby Wagner, I, I don't agree with giving him five years on the open market, though. I feel that's a bit excessive for a 30-year-old interior inside linebacker with a lot of mileage on him. Wilson, I think he'll do okay in Denver. I don't know if he's going to be peak Russell Wilson, but he'll offer something better than what Denver's had. So at the very least, he is an improvement. I don't know if he's worth the price they paid for him. Like, I don't know if it's worth paying Noah Fant and Shelby Harris and two firsts and two seconds. And, and throwing Drew Locke. Yeah, well, Locke is more just a placeholder. So it's just that that's why he's there. So I don't consider that technically part of the trade. But at the same time, it's like, hey, take this guy. We'll give him like as a year placeholder for you. He had some upside, but it hasn't panned out. So maybe it works out for you. So that's what they're thinking if you're Seattle. But – I mean, you're, you're potentially uh, starting Geno Smith or Drew Locke. It's not good. I mean, right. Rashad Penny showed flashes of brilliance in his final games of the season, so there may be something there. You did cut Dwayne Brown as well, so you need a tackle. Maybe he, maybe it, one of those guys is the guy you pick later on. You also have um, pressing needs on the defense too. So you have interior line, corner issues, defensive line so it's gonna take a couple years to truly rebuild everything and i think that gets done without i would say schneider or carroll and i i feel like they'll allow carroll to retire with dignity i think schneider might be the one that gets fired yeah i have no idea why schneider is still there he is outside of dk i mean he got dk metcalf right but uh, I mean, he's been a hell of a player. But uh, but in hindsight, is DK Metcalf really going to be there all that long? You know, he's going to be due for a contract in a, in about a season or so. Are they, are, are they going to write a huge check for DK Metcalf while they're in the middle of rebuilding? 
Why John Snyder is still there, again, like you said, an excellent point. I have I have absolutely no idea. Because, you know, it'd be, he, I mean, outside of Metcalf, they, have, they haven't drafted well. Their defense, their defense has gotten worse, not better. Their offensive line has been average at best, if you're being kind about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's you know, it, like, and their running back situation has been a, has been a, has been a complete dumpster fire since the days of Marshawn Lynch. I mean, why in the world John Schneider decided to give Chris Carson a contract extension last year? I have absolutely no idea. He's one of the worst. He's he's their he's their worst running back on the roster. If you want to pick a best one unquote, it's Rashad Penny. It's not Chris Carson. What the heck did you give him a huge contract extension for? So I, I agree with you a thousand percent. Snyder should have been. I, in my opinion, Snyder should have been going after the season was over, and mm-hmm. Pete Carroll should have been at the door right along with him. The fact that that you still got the same regime from the championship team that's trying to construct a team during this quote unquote rebuild process when we've kicked Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner out the pasture, I, it, it, it befuddles me. Mm-hmm. I understand. I understand what they did. I get it, but you got to separate the feelings from the business. You got to separate. You, you in football, you, you got in in sports, especially in general, pro sports. You got to be able to differentiate the two. You got to be able to say, "Thanks for what you did. Thank you for what you've done for me." But for this time and right now, sports is a "What have you done for me lately?" business. The, two, mm-hmm. the 2013 championship urinating tree uh, was, was was nine years ago. Yeah, They're and the sad 20, part is nobody's going to remember that. People remember passing the ball right. on the one-yard line. That was, that was a year later, and how many years ago is that? That was eight years ago. Yeah. So what have you done for me lately, business? The, the San Francisco 49ers have played, in, have played in two NFC championship games in the last three years and have played in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The Rams have just won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you got you to read the room of, what, of what's going on around you. The same 2013-14, you know, where Colin Kaepernick's the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers and the Rams are in St. Louis with the Jeff Fisher. I mean, we got to wake up and smell the coffee here eventually. We have to, yep. or or else expect Seattle to essentially disappear into oblivion, and no, and no, and you're not watching Seattle Seahawks football on the on the national on the national landscape on the, on a season in season out basis. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just as odorous to it. Um, and Tyree Kill, I'm kind of torn with Tyree Kill in this aspect. I, I get both sides of the coin. I get why the people who were who criticized Kansas City for letting him go, I understand it because he's a get, albeit he's a wide receiver. Tyree kills, and I, I, I say he's a wide receiver. And typically, the practices you don't give wide receivers big time contracts and this, that, and the other. But next sentence, Tyree kills don't grow on trees. Tyree kills mm-hmm. aren't you, you? You're not going to find a Tyree kill every single year in the draft. You can find a good wide receiver, pro wide receiver, all pro wide receiver in the draft. But Tyree kill is just a, is just a different specimen of 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 greatness and and freak athleticism that he provided for that team for for the amount of years that he did. So I get people criticizing Kansas City, saying you 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 know Patrick Mahomes is uh, number one weapon besides Travis Kelsey. You kick him out the pasture, really. And I also see the other side of going saying, you know what, it does it doesn't look sexy and it's and it, and it sings a little bit. But you know what, I see why Kansas City. I see why Kansas City did that. 
draft capital and do you want to pay a wide pay a wide receiver big time money especially the way like you mentioned earlier in the spot of how christian kirk has kind of like reset the market value the marketplace mm-hmm. value for wide receivers what is your and then, and then on Tyree Kill's standpoint, I you know I I understand both sides of the coin as well. I understand he's he's played in Super Bowls, he's won in Super Bowls, he's played in playoff games, he's had his All Pros, he's made his Pro Bowls. It's time for him to get rewarded. You know he's from that Miami area. It's time for him to get rewarded and to get his and to get his paycheck. And if he wants to play someplace, he wants to play at a place where it's going to be a lot more warmer and a lot more enjoyable to play. After you know, post uh, post November fifteenth, then then God then God bless them, go for it. But then on the flip side, I understand people saying Tyreek Hill, what are you nuts? I understand you're getting paid, but you know, come week come week fourteen, and the Miami Dolphins are are trying to tread water to, to see if they can steal the the, the seventh and final uh, playoff spot in the AFC. Kansas City Chiefs going to be in a position where if a couple things break the right way, they could win their division, end up with the with the top two seed in the AFC and are a perennial Super Bowl contender. The Miami mm-hmm. Dolphins are not. So it's a very interesting dynamic with the Tyree Kill trade between the Dolphins and the Chiefs. And what are your two what were your two cents on that trade? I think Tyreek Hill, what they're looking for in Miami is somebody who can add an extra wrinkle to that offense to go along with Jalen Waddle and Mike Isicki. I think it could work out. I feel like with Mike McDaniel, I feel like Tua would work best in a West Coast offense. His best his best strengths are, you know, maneuverability in the pocket, short and mid-range passing game. Make it quick, make it snappy. Don't make him overthink things. Just let him throw, make it, make it as easy as possible for him. And I think he thrives. So that's pretty much it's going to cater to his strengths. And I think that's the way you got to do it if you're Miami. And Tyreek Hill, his greatest his strength is elusiveness, short and mid-range game, creating something out of nothing. And I think that's what they're going to shoot for, especially short passes up the middle, uh, maybe uh, one or two passes deep. I don't think that's to a strong point. So I think they try to avoid that if possible. They're going to let the wide receivers do their magic. And I think that's what they're kind of going to shoot for, especially with a Tyreek Hill, who is a unique weapon in his own right. But the question is, do you see him as like a Debo Samuel type? I don't know. I feel like he's more of like a, you can't really compare him to that jack of all trades just because Tyree Kill is more of a pass option, not a runner. Right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And another thing too that I heard that I heard a lot, I don't know if you heard this too. I heard, well, Tyree Kill, you know, he, you know, his career is shot or he won't, you know, be the same because Patrick Mahomes is so great and he's going to tour. I understand who, you know, who would you rather have on your team, Mahomes or Tua? You'd take Mahomes in a heartbeat. I mean, who wouldn't? But let's keep this in mind. Tyreek Hill was a pretty damn good wide receiver when he when Alex Smith was throwing him the football. Mm-hmm. You know, people 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 forget that. You know, with the greatness of Mahomes, this, that, and the other, people forget that Tyreek Kill and Travis Kelsey, Mahomes put them over the top. And, you know, and Mahomes had them, you know, jump the shark as far as their ability is concerned. But they were Pro Bowl tight end and wide receivers, respectively, when Alex Smith was throwing the football. So, and no disrespect to Alex Smith, but I mean, Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. And Tyree Kill and uh, and Travis Kelsey were putting together 1,000-yard receiving seasons, making Pro Bowls, collecting all pros, winning awards in their in their own right. So I think as long as Tyreek Hill gets the ball, 
his production numbers may not be. You know, he had a down year in 2021 compared compared to seasons past. But you know, it wouldn't shock me if Tyreek Kill, you know, has has a decent season, puts up nice numbers, and and either gets all gets another first team All Pro or makes a Pro Bowl. Because as long as he gets the ball, as long as Tua gets the ball to him and allows Tyreek to do his thing, Tyreek Hill's going to be all right, all things being equal, all things being considered, if he stays healthy and stays on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one more. Deshaun Watson will do Deshaun Watson and uh, Mayfield. But before we get to them, uh, with uh, Debo Samuel, you brought them up, we'll, we'll address them right quick. Uh you see, I don't know if you saw, but uh, San Francisco is asking for a hefty load for Debo Samuel in a trade. Do you, uh, San Francisco going to get what they want? What are your What are your two cents on this fiasco between uh, Debo Debo Samuel and the San Francisco 49ers? I feel like with Debo, he sees everyone else getting paid. He has his agent in his ear, like, "Look, all these guys are getting paid. I think you should be getting paid too. Look at what you've done for San Francisco's offense. And then they're going to, he's going to be like, wait a minute. Yeah, you're right. I want to get paid. So he's going to demand it. Like he requests a trade because San Fran's not going to be able to give him a contract because they're already slammed up against the cap as is, unless they can trade Jimmy Garoppolo, because you're, that's the thing that's going to hold him back. Cause he's getting something like 30 million and that money could be offloaded to Debo Samuel. So I feel like they can get an amazing return. You'll get at least two or three firsts for Debo. I mean, his price will be valued a little bit lower because he's going to demand a hefty contract extension and that'll depress his price. But at the same time, I think somebody's going to bite, especially somebody who thinks they're a piece away from the Super Bowl. Like, uh, let's suppose the Packers get desperate and they think, you know what? We can make a run for this. Let's trade next year's first. We'll trade uh, the two firsts we have this year. And let's go get Debo Samuel. Maybe they yep. think that. So I feel like Debo's in a position of strength right now. It mostly depends how the rest of the pieces fall out. Hundred percent. I yeah, it's going to be very. You know, with Debo, he 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 could make or break a lot of people's uh, seasons. So all you know, all Fortnite have to do is pull straight. By the way, what in the world's going on with Jimmy Garoppolo? Is he going to end up staying in San Francisco? Or is, he, I, is he going to go? Is he going to go elsewhere? I don't know. I thought he'd be gone by now, but I guess not. I'm not sure. Hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I was. I said to myself, I was after the 49ers lost the championship game. I was like, well, well, this is it for Jimmy G and the 49ers. Uniform. And lo and behold, you Same know, he, he he could be behind. He could be behind center playing for him week one, which is the craziest revelation out of everything that's going on in free agency. Deshaun mm. Watson, and then we'll address the Baker Mayfield and get some rapid-fire things and then send you about your way. Uh, we'll do Deshaun Watson first. Me, personally, he did not deserve to be the to be the top-banked quarterback in the National Football League. He hadn't played in a season. He's got all the allegations and just the controversy surrounding his name with the massage uh, with the massage Paul, with the massage therapists, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of shady stuff going on with with that. You know, I and when it's 20 women, I have a hard time believing that he was entirely innocent or he did absolutely nothing wrong or, or didn't instigate anything. I have a hard time like believing that myself, me personally. Um, 
but and then he goes ahead and he gets this massive contract because Cleveland's def- desperate to mm-hmm. move on from big. The whole thing like bothers you know really bothers me because yeah, you know, and also you know he joins my division, he joins our division of boot, you know, and I'm and I was like you know the Bengals, you know, you go champion, and it's like uh, our, our road to get to super to get back to Super Bowl, let alone win the division, just got a whole lot harder. But yeah. the whole thing with Deshaun Watson, you know, pisses me off from the fact that the league sat on his case and made no move to the to, to suspend them whatsoever, and he I'm sat out waiting. a whole sat out all he's still winning, right? Sat out a whole year, and all of a sudden, automatically he make he's making top dollar, mm-hmm. and mean, he got really, paid not to play. He got paid ten million dollars to just do nothing because he was never officially suspended. And the thing with the contract to the stipulation, it's only $1 million in base salary. So in case he is suspended, he doesn't lose much of that money. I think most of it's in bonuses and paid after the fact. So we still have to figure out if he is getting suspended, but at the same time, it's a huge, huge gamble by Cleveland because the main thing too he hasn't played in a year. You don't know how he's going to mesh in the system. You don't know if the NFL is going to make him spin the wheel of discipline. You don't know how anything's going to turn out. And you've given up three first round picks plus everything else you have. So if this fails again, like the entire like regime is gone. Like the ownership might be gone too. And, and Cleveland Browns essentially got to start Brown. square one all over mm-hmm. again. yet again. Reset. So it's. Just, I know. I know you selfishly love it from a Steelers standpoint because all you heard about was Ben Roethlisberger. This Ben Roethlisberger. Then. Oh yeah, like now, from Cleveland fans, and now you've lost your right to talk shit because guess what? You have your own Big Ben. Congratulations. Yes, a hundred percent. The the Bengals uh, and the Ravens. You know, we stay away from uh, quarterbacks that fool around. Uh, that fool around uh, with uh, with sexual misconduct. Well, the Ravens and Bengals, you get like the guys with potential like you know red flag character red flags. The Bengals were yeah. big on that back in like the mid late two thousands. Insanely talented players. It's just like you didn't know if anything was going to happen with them. Right, hundred percent, hundred percent. And then uh, speaking with the Browns with Baker Mayfield, it looks and I heard a rumor. I don't know if it's true or not. But I read it. This is rumor going around that the that NFL teams are on purpose deciding not wanting to trade with oh, yeah. the Browns for Baker Mayfield out of protest because how because of how Deshaun Watson has reset the quarter the quarterback market for all the Fully quarterbacks contract. that that mm-hmm. have yet that have yet to be, that have yet to be paid. And now then they're annoyed and bothered by that we heard steve bashotti the ravens say something ravens still gotta pay lamar jackson my Bengals gotta play gotta pay joe burrow somewhere uh, down the line down the road the chargers with herbert is do do you see any uh truth any validity in the fact that teams are like you know what cleveland you said to do this go screw yourselves you you can have bacon mayfield and deshaun watson on your roster and enjoy your hot mess sandwich I think the main thing with the Browns is Baker Mayfield would still be their quarterback if he did not play injured last year. He should not have been playing. And I think playing with that 
that messed up non-throwing shoulder and messed up his mechanics. It forced him to overcompensate. It really screwed a lot of things up and it turned him into a liability in a lot of aspects. And I think Cleveland saw that. It's like, you know what? We've had enough. We want an adult in the room. So we're going to go out and get a guy with uh, two dozen sexual assault allegations in masseuse parlors. So uh, that's how, that's how, how does that. How does Cleveland say that and then go out there and get? Yeah, the but show? they want an adult. They want an adult. Maybe they wanted Jacoby Brissett. Maybe he's the adult. But at the same time, too, with Cleveland, they have no leverage right now because they know they need to get rid of Baker Mayfield. And even though you'd be lucky to get a third round pick for him right now, because once again, why should I take on Baker Mayfield when you already have the Sean Watson? You buried yourself in two hundred thirty-five million dollars guaranteed. He's coming off a terrible season by his standards. And he's also at the point where he's pissed off at the organization and may not play. So uh, the rumor is from what I've been hearing is he might get cut. And if he gets cut, the Steelers might be interested in him. So if, if you're a Steelers, let's say like you throw him $10 million for one year. Hey, here's a prove it deal. You perform great. If not, whatever we try. So I could really see that too. But I think they're just waiting for him to hit free agency because they don't want the cap hit. Absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, too. Urinating Tree doing a phenomenal job uh, with the NFL free agency and the draft of this, that, and the other. Real quick, two rapid-fire things. Are you into the USFL at all? I haven't, Partially. Se- I haven't seen, I haven't seen like, any of it whatsoever. I heard that, you know, I've seen pictures on social media that the attendance is an absolute disaster yeah. and that and that the ball is a problem because there's a chip. In, yeah, it's, it's like technology. A, it messes up like with a, the um, there's like a chip in the football. And yeah, like it messes throws up with off, the dynamics, throws off the weight. So like they can't, you know, they can't get a hold of it and throw a. Well, they can't. It's it with kicking more than anything because they're used to kicking a regulation ball and then like. Right. The chip is going to mess up like the turning dynamics and the physics of it. So that's right. why you have guys Turn. missing 22 yard field goals. They're sitting there like, wait, Nick Rose was in the NFL. Why is he missing 22 yard kicks? And now we know why. And 100%. the thing with the USFL too, they're, they're playing them all in one location. The USFL technically has a Pittsburgh team, the Maulers, but I feel no connection to them because I get why they don't play in Pittsburgh. Why should I root for the bandits if they don't play in Tampa Bay? Like, why should I root for the generals if they don't play in New Jersey or the breakers if they don't play where they are? I know the Birmingham does have a team, but at the same time, you're not going to get Birmingham uh, teams to care about a fledgling expansion franchise between the Pittsburgh Maulers and maybe, you know, the New Jersey generals. You're not. And the problem is they might be doing this for two or three years. It makes sense because travel is a very hefty expense and they can keep it in a situation that they are, but I, they are probably going to bleed a lot of money this year, but you usually bleed a lot of money in a startup. So you're mainly hoping for commercials, television contracts, and potential attendance further down the line. So this year is more for experimentation. I've seen a bit of the games, like the games have been sloppy because they've only been practicing for three weeks. That's absolutely makes sense that it's not going to be perfect football, but at the same time, like I wasn't able to see week two, unfortunately, like most people are like, Oh yeah, there was, there was football on. So like the marketing has been kind of weird. It hasn't been like, I don't know if it's because I'm really sour of what happened with the AAF and the XFL, even though the XFL wasn't their fault. But at the same time, it's like, eh. 
Like I'm, it's kind of there right now. Like they have to prove to me that they're worth my time. Right. Do you th- do you think spring? Do you th- I think spring football will never work because of the fact, like we mentioned earlier, how the NFL is so omnipresent, and just the fact that you know when it's springtime, you're not thinking football. You know, if you if you're a if you're a fan of any of the other three, uh, any uh, any of the other three sports, you're more into that during the spring and early summer months than you are thinking about NFL football or excuse me, thinking about the sport of football outside of your favorite football team's spring games on ESPN2 or uh, or uh, or the NFL draft, as we discussed. I, I, me, personally, I don't, think, I, don't, I don't think it'll work. I think the XFL will try its damnedest next year with The Rock being in charge for it to succeed. But I, 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 I just don't see spring football in the long term, whether it's the USFL, the AAF, or two versions, you know, XFL 2.0 or XFL 3.0 with The Rock being the head man of it. I, I, I just do not see it happening whatsoever. I could see it happening. I mean, there is a market for spring football. The question is how much of a market is there for spring football? I feel like a minor league system would greatly benefit the NFL in terms of developing talent. Look at all the alumni that have come out of the AAF and the XFL that have gotten second chances or looks that they normally wouldn't have gotten. Like a young way Koo, for example, the AAF got a shot with the Atlanta legends was able to Taylor Heineke. He's doing well. Taylor, Taylor Heineke. Heineke. He was a backup for actually for the St. Louis battle Hawks. He wasn't actually the starter. Uh, but at the same time you do uh, PJ Walker was another one, even though his NFL career hasn't succeeded, he wouldn't have gotten a look if it weren't for, you know, his time with the Houston Roughnecks. So it mostly depends on how they manage it. And if they don't try to overshoot what they are, the NFL technically, like if they do a minor league system, maybe eight teams, they play Tuesday nights. Maybe they have like, maybe it's on ESPN plus or something that could probably work because the NFL could use a minor league system, but it doesn't need like a huge one per se. Right. You need like uh, for developmental purposes, you know, develop coaches, develop, you know, players, executives, stuff like that. So I, there, it, as I said, once again, I, I don't know if like spring football is going to work, but I, there is a market. It's just, is there enough, there's not enough to support two team or two um, spring leagues. I like if right. the USFL and the XFL go against each other, they're going to cannibalize each other and they'll both be gone. Yeah. So I don't think the NFL has to lose sleep over this. Yeah. I agreed. Uh, anything regarding Major League Baseball you want to get off your chest, whether it be the lockout or I saw that your Pittsburgh Pirates got blanked. Yeah, lost uh, 21 to nothing, and ironically, they won the other three games. So <laughs> it, it, only pe- the only thing people are going to remember is losing 21 to nothing. And it's like and then, a minus 17 run differential, yet the Pirates lost 21 to nothing. And they're 500. Like, they're not even that terrible. That's the weird part. Yeah, it's baseball during this time of the year is very, very weird because the good because the bad teams are good and they show someone's and they show someone's of promise. And then like the, you know, the Pirates go out there, they get blanked and then the bad teams, you know, they, they you know, they wake up one morning and it's like they forget how to play the game. But it's just, and by the way. Could could the could the Cincinnati Reds ownership Castellini whatever his name could he not go out there and basically say 
uh, where else you want to go. Exactly. And, and, and basically taunt the fan base and, 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 and practically uh, piss on the fan base, talking out of his ass like that. I mean, really. Disaster. And look what's happening now. You have billboards going up. You have airplanes flying above the stadium. You have people with, like, uh, paper bags over their heads. And now, now security's telling them they can't wear paper bags behind Which home plate. They've lost 10 in a row. They traded nearly everyone for reasons of trying to save money. It, it's embarrassing. And it's – there'll probably be a video in the next month or two. But it's just like – Oh, there, there's a reason why I've never been bullish Jesus. on the Reds before because they don't spend money, and whenever they have a shot, they don't fully capitalize on it. 2020 was their shot, and they blew it. And it because they couldn't hit in their they series against the uh, in their mm-hmm. series against the Braves. Yep. Uh, yeah, but it, that's just that's completely completely disgraceful. Completely, it is. It's, it's just. Well, by the way, real quick, do my Orioles find a way to not lose a hundred games this season? Possibly. It depends on, I mean, they'll probably, uh, best case scenario, 70 wins, but it mostly depends on when Rutschman and Rodriguez come up and it, it, it might be a bit for that. The they'll probably end up trading Mancini at the deadline. So I pray to God that they don't or, or, or that they can't find anybody to trade for him because Mancini can't, can't hit it. He's hit the ball hard, but he is not, you know, every single time he hits the ball hard, it goes into an outfielders oh, or a field. Bad, 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 bad luck. And then, uh, and then John Means, of course, getting shut yeah, down. Tommy John. Tommy. Uh, that sucks. He is a really good pitcher. It's like, it's like when it, when it rains, it pours, you know, mm-hmm. my, my, my Orioles just, just invent new ways to, and invent new ways to break my heart. This towel back here, game two. 2014 ALDS against mm-hmm. Detroit. That feels like that was about uh, 25 years ago. Same here for us with the Pirates. I mean, 2013 wildcard game feels like it was an entire generation ago. And it's not even been 10 years. Sad. sad. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the phenomenal, the intriguing, the entertaining, insightful, urinating tree stopping by to give us his two cents on the NFL draft, NFL free agency. Uh, a little bit of the USFL, a little bit of Major League Baseball, the Amatella Catalia's podcast will continue. Don't go anywhere. Back right after this. We welcome you back to the Amatella Catalia's podcast. Special thanks to Urinating Tree. You can check him out on YouTube. Uh, just uh, go into the YouTube search bar on your YouTube app and type in Urinating Tree. Be sure to subscribe to him. Follow him on Twitter at Urinating Tree, special thanks for him uh, coming on, discussing the NFL draft, NFL offseason, giving us his two cents on the USFL, uh, the upstart USFL, and a couple takeaways with the opening few weeks of the Major League Baseball season in 2022 uh, behind us. So that is our show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We will have a show for you guys coming up later in the week uh, around either Friday uh, Friday or Saturday, most likely Saturday on uh, on April the 30th. So look out for a show on Saturday, uh, April the 30th, if not the Friday, but if not the Friday before that. 
show for you uh, later this weekend to recap uh, the games from Tuesday night up to uh, Saturday and anything NFL draft I need to address and I'll see if I can we- if I can wedge in my baseball points that I want to get on the board so uh, so be on the lookout for a show coming up on uh, Saturday on Saturday as we approach the final uh, days of the month of April. Uh, and by the way, the poll question, uh, the poll and Q&A of the episode, which you can find exclusively on the Amatelica TIS podcast uh, channel page on the Spotify app. Uh, and the poll question is as follows. Who's to blame for the Brooklyn Nets getting swept? Is it Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, head coach Steve Nash, the absence of Ben Simmons, or all of the above? Vote early, vote often. The yeah, I'm telling you, tell you is podcast channel on the on your handy dandy Spotify app and on Spotify.com. And the Q and A, the the Q and A shields box, uh, open ended question, whatever you want to call it, of the episode is as follows, and it's related to the NFL draft that will take place Thursday through Saturday out there in Vegas. What is going to be the biggest surprise of the 2022 NFL Draft and why? Vote early, or excuse me, give your response uh, at the Amatelica TIS podcast Spotify page, and you will see it pinned up there for the entire world to see. It's funny, and I'll give you this story before we say goodbye. Uh, you know, on uh, Instagram, you know, you have people, and I do this every now and again, you know, Q&A, you know, ask me a question, I give you an answer. And Phil Simms, who's one of my favorite uh, football analysts in the business, has been throughout throughout the, uh, throughout the my entire life, as long as I've been a football fan. Phil Simms has been one of my favorite uh, analysts in the game on television. And I shot him a question, uh, on, uh, I shot him a question, uh, about a night or so ago, I say, Phil, uh, what prospect best suits the needs of my Cincinnati Bengals? The great Phil Sims responded, the center from University of Iowa, who we discussed with Urinating Tree uh, uh, in the previous segment, that of Tyler Lindenbaum. If the Bengals find a way to trade up and get him, or he falls down to 31, yours truly is going to ha- is going to be a very happy camper but that is your show and another episode of the i'm tell you is podcast in the book in the books excuse me like what you heard new to the program please do not hesitate to subscribe follow the show on twitter at i'm tell underscore it is and the show on instagram at i'm tell underscore podcast follow yours truly on twitter and instagram at the j shield i will talk to you guys coming up this weekend enjoy the nfl draft Enjoy the NBA playoffs. Enjoy uh, your favorite uh, Major League Baseball team if they're playing. It is your boy, Jai Shields. I will talk to you guys at the end of the week. Y'all stay safe. Y'all take care. See ya.